Welcome to the podcast. Merry Christmas. from where it is to where it should be. Shop online and save with an extra $10 off 50. Plus, get $15 cold cash for every $50 spent. And take an extra 20% off. Fitbit Versa 2 is $129.99. Save on in our air fryer and get 40% off Lego. Plus, free store pickup. Shop Super Cyber Monday today only at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select style, select deals valid November 30th only. 10 off 50 offer valid November 30th online only with promo code jackpot. 20% offer valid November 28th or December 2nd with promo code 20 off. Fitbit and Lego offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. AM640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, welcome to a special Black Friday edition of the John and Ken Show. What is special about it? They aren't here. In KFI's very own Fork reporter, Neil Saavedra, and me, Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. You know, we could, of course, dig into the news of the day with uh, insightful commentary and earnest opinions, but hey, it's the day after Thanksgiving, so let's face it. Pretty much whenever Neil and I get together, we just want to talk about uh, home projects and food. So, hey, Dean, do I have yeah. to whisper the whole time? No, you don't. It's just a nickname. Oh, you don't want to pretend to be my nickname, trust me. <laughs> that is the fabulous Neil Saavedra joining us here today. I'm so excited, bud, about uh, spending the next four hours with you. I was talking to someone the other day, and I said the funny thing about this, you know, I do the Fork Report, you do the House Whisperer, our home uh, with Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer, the longest name in okay, all no, of radio you, history. You didn't have to start I, with that again. I will tell you. No, I'm just telling you, I've never seen the name of a show with so many commas. However, the funny thing is, I would put money on the last six months that I have had um, work tools in hand and building more than you have, and you have cooked more than I have probably in the last six months. You're probably right because we actually finished up our own remodel in last April. year. Yeah. At which point I just started cooking again. Yeah. I but that, I, th I thought about that. You and I have a lot of similar uh, loves and interests, and we are renovating our century home. So not only renovating, but. Um, you know, in, in the process going through restoring and which is very different, as you know, than just doing a remodel or something like that. Um, when you're dealing with a house with old bones and stuff, you, you, you don't want to take too much out. You want to try and restore rather than replace all these things. So uh, you finished last year. I think it was around April of last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Tina? 
Oh, November. Yeah, Tina tells me it was November. I don't remember. Trust I have her. No concept. Women time. are smarter. We're basically dogs, and without a leash, we're stupid. That's why we pee on trees. Um, but yeah, so so we've been in the same boat that way. But I see what you cook, and we talk about food all the time. So I thought, what? How funny? Because we're probably in switched roles as of uh, lately. So what's on That'd your mind, right. buddy? I have so many things on my mind today. Uh, you know, I would thought <clears throat> I would start with talking about what have become my two big rules for uh, holiday decor, uh, which I hope that people will kind of embrace. Number one, rule number one, uh, declutter the damn house before you decorate. Okay. Uh, there is a there's a very famous uh, British textile designer. He was a poet, not he was a Renaissance man, uh, William Morris, who did a famous quote, famous in the design and architecture community. And he said this, have nothing in your house that you don't that you do not know to be useful or believe to be beautiful. Oh, and wait, wait, is... wait, wait a second. If my wife's <laughs> listening, it. that means I'm out. Great. I'm going to be on, <laughs> I'm going to be on the porch tonight. Oh, honey, I was listening to what Dean said, and you didn't Wait fill into no, either of the categories. <laughs> I know you're not beautiful, but you're telling me you're inside, not beautiful. On the inside, if you dig deep enough, I'm beautiful. You just have to go through a lot of layers. That's a lot of digging, man. Yeah, that's what my doctor said when I got the kid. No joke. The first thing he said, my doctor, when they put in a new kidney, was, we had to go deep. <laughs> I said, just call me fat, Doc. You don't need to. We had to go deep. <laughs> we looked uh, where yes, it normally I, would be, I, and it wasn't there. You know, this is, uh, we have a service that, um, where we store things. I used to store them close by in a really beautiful old, like one of the oldest and most gorgeous storage systems uh, here in Los Angeles. If you look at the history of Los Angeles, you can find it. It, it actually had a speakeasy in it at one time. In the 20s, it, it, it just had mob stuff, all kinds of crazy stuff. And you'd go in and it's normal and you, you take your, your goods there and they store them and you take them out, right? I got tired of that because, as you know, I like to decorate. When you have this stuff, it's constant. You're constantly going, picking up, and all of these things. So we got a new storage company that drops it off for a fee and then picks it up, right? And in that um, process, our rule is just what you said right now, Dean. It's when things come back, we go through them, see what we're using and what we're not, get rid of so that less goes back into storage than came to us, and um, yeah, for go, sure, yeah, absolutely. And that's just the stuff we're putting up let alone, right. you know, looking through the house and saying, eh, does it spark joy? Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, and my point is, you know, we all have too much. Even if you're a minimalist and you try to be a minimalist, which Tina and I, I mean, we're, we're not minimalists, but we actually try to keep things literally according to that rule as much as possible. Um, you have beehives. You have beehives. You have chickens. Oh, how is that minimal? How is they're, they're not in the house. I'm, I'm talking about they're the somewhere house. on the property. Minimalist <laughs> yeah, is not having livestock. Well, I didn't say I was a minimalist. I'm saying I'm not. I'm not. But inside the house, we all, even if you try really hard, you know, we have too much stuff. We all have too much stuff. And so that's my point. Before you lay on three more layers of holiday decor this year, pull off, take advantage, pull off a layer or two of just the normal stuff. Get it out of there. Purge. It's time to purge. And by the way, 
decluttering is not about going out and buying more boxes so you can just store your crap elsewhere. It, it It's making some hard decisions. Make some tough decisions about what stays and what goes. Okay, you're, so that anyway, getting, that's rule number one. You're getting me in trouble today is what you're doing because. All right, well, here's rule number two. This is rule number two. I'm gonna, we're going to toss this out here before we uh, hear some news, and that is this. I am a firm believer in this because I'm a home designer. This is the time of year when I can get people who don't normally think in terms of design aesthetics to be thinking about making their house beautiful. So my message to uh, all of us is this. Let the holidays change you permanently. And that I'm by that, I'm not saying keep the Christmas lights up in February and March, uh, because we all know that house in the neighborhood that never actually took the Christmas lights down. That's not what I mean. What I mean is this. Uh, that's us Mexicans, by the way. And I take offense I to that. I'm surrounded that's by be- them. I understand. Because, because of uh, Catholicism, you leave them up through January. And then when we forget by February. Yeah, I always ask my neighbors, what holiday are we celebrating this weekend? And there's like a list of seven to choose from. So it all works. But the point is this. You know, we are decorating because we all know that that uh, adding these things to the house is a very powerful visual aesthetic, and it brings something out in us. And my point is when this uh, holiday season is gone, Find ways of doing that the rest of the year as well. So allow yourself to be inspired by all of that. You know, when we come back, I want to uh, run through. You're going to enjoy this. Uh, let's talk about the uh, what here at the House Whisper Institute for Holiday Studies we have identified as the eight personality types of holiday decorators. We'll find out where Neil falls in that. I know where I fall. Where do you guys fall? We'll figure that out when we come back. Hey, I'm so glad you joined us this afternoon. Hang tight. There's so much more to come. It's the Fork Reporter and the House Whisperer filling in on the John and Ken Show. KFI, the John and Ken Show. Special Black Friday edition. Neil Savedra and Dean Sharp filling in. John and Ken obviously out shopping together at some Black Friday sale. Clearly. You can just tell. Can't you? That John loves shopping. The thought of the two of them going up and down the aisles. And John's like, no, no, you don't need that. You don't need that. But I like it. It'd be sweet. (laughs) Get that out of the cart. You're always trying to put vegetables in the cart. But, you know, we need vegetables. You have to have variety. I do have variety. I have angry and angrier and angriest. That's <laughs> true. It's so true. All right. Oh, as I see it. Like, yeah, there it is. All right. Hey, uh, let's talk about some holiday decorating personality types. Speaking of personalities here. Uh, Over the years, and this is not an exhaustive list, I'm sure, but uh, here at the House Whisper Institute for Holiday Studies, uh, which doesn't exist, by the way, we have identified eight different types of holiday decorators. I want to find out where Neil feels like. I'm pretty sure I know where Neil uh, falls into this. But uh, anyway, so here we go. 
Decorating personalities. We'll start at the bottom of the bin and work. Uh, we're going to ramp up to uh, the highest level of commitment possible. At the bottom of the bin is what we call the Scrooge. This is uh, the Bah Humbug guy. This is, you know, early signs of Scroogeism appear on Halloween in which uh, there is a dark house and no porch light on. This is the first sign that it's good that you've got a Scrooge in the house for the holidays, don't you think? Right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's that's the, Clearly. the prerequisite, and you're going to go, hey, if they're not going to do a little something, you're not going to put out a pumpkin, chances are you're not going on the roof for the big star. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Porch light off. They even turn off the landscape lights. It is just a dark void on Halloween. This is not somebody you can count on once uh, Christmas rolls around. That's all I'm saying. The second uh, one, I've changed the name of this guy over the years. I'm just calling him phoning it in. I'm not sure if the Scrooge... Or the guy who phones it in is uh, is worse off because I feel like the person who's phoning it in is more of a hypocrite, uh, and the Scrooge is at least being honest to who they are. Uh, so the phoning it in person is probably an inner Scrooge, but what they do is nah, they're going to hang a wreath on the front door. That's it. They're just going to hang a wreath, or they're going to they're going to get one of those foam candy canes and stick it next to the driveway and say, "Merry Christmas," uh, just. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, Tina reminds me, yeah, they're, they're going to change the, the porch light bulb uh, from a regular bulb. They're just going to put a green bulb in there. There it is. There it that's is. Fancy. Happy holidays, everyone. Uh, right. Funny enough, I do have a chandelier on our porch that changes colors with, like, the win of a game, local team, or, you know, red, white, and blue, or colors. But I do more than that. But I have a question for you, Dean. Uh, yes, I think that was an interesting note between the Scrooge and the phoning it in. However, uh, a Scrooge, uh, he's building or she is building everything that they do or don't do based on an inner belief system, whereas phoning it in could fall into the camp of just being a lazy ass. It doesn't have the intent right. to me. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, no, I, that's fair. It's like intent fair is like... I, I refuse to be a part of this, and the other person maybe doesn't want to be judged or wants to say, well, I did something or whatever, but they're really just lazy, and they think, oh, get, i got to get out the ladder, and i got to get on the roof, and I just want to have a beer and whatever it is. Like I, I think that doesn't come with the same intent. I agree. Well, you produce the Jesus Christ show, so here, here's Word my on the point. Street. Who would you— who would you, you know, who has more faith, the ardent atheist or uh, some guy who claims he believes but is like, yeah, you know, nominal? There is nobody more faithful that I've ever come across than an atheist. <laughs> That's what I thought. That takes a lot. That takes a lot of faith to go. There's That's nothing, that is nowhere, not anywhere, ever. And we know it to be true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. The martyr. Number three, the martyr. The martyr is, is the martyr only exists in, in in as one half of a pair because the martyr is the reluctant spouse of somebody who wants to decorate the house. Right? <laughs> usually, usually, I'm just saying from my own experience. Usually, it's the wife who wants to get festive, and then you got a guy sitting in there, sitting in his lazy chair, going. Oh, for crying out loud. Fine, we'll do it on Saturday. Uh, so that's the martyr. That is a definitely decorating type, personality type, who just literally whines and moans uh, 
at every turn along the way. You have to drag them into it. Now we're turning the corner. All right, we got off the negatives. The traditionalist. This is, who you know, I don't know, a.k.a. the Martha Stewart, right? This is where uh, it's very it's very tasteful. It's kind of uh, period appropriate. Somebody who just wants, you know, uh, a, a Norman Rockwellian Christmas. Nothing really high. T- I mean, they may use a little tech in the design, in, in the decor itself, but it doesn't come off as high tech. It's just lovely candles and wreaths and, and all of that kind of thing. I think I tend to fall a little bit probably along the line of the traditionalist uh, just because I don't know that's my thing we've got we have a period home and so we just kind of do it up and we kind of keep with that now the next one is similar but different the religionist and I only say this uh, <laughs> what are you, I know exactly I could I can you, picture the house right now yeah right yeah. Oh, uh, we have some of those. It's around mangers here. and menorahs. The religionist. <laughs> it's mange. It's all mangers and menorahs. There is a message being communicated, right? There's, and I tell you what is, you'll never find on a religionist uh, yard uh, Santa. You're not going to find Santa. Oh, because, because when you rearrange the letters, it's Satan. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Right. Santa. There's is a not reason, the for, the reason season, for the season, Dean. Maybe you hadn't heard. Okay, now the next one though, this is my favorite, the free for all. This is the person who has Santa visiting Jesus in the manger on the front yard. There are reindeer, there are sleigh. He's one of the magi. It's just, it's a, it's anything. Throw everything against the wall. It doesn't matter if it happens at the holidays. We're putting the angels have Star of David halos. It just doesn't even matter. It's everything. If it's bling, it's going on the front of the house. I remember the donkey, and I remember the camel, but I don't remember the elephant. Is that Dumbo? <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Hey, they made it, and it lit up. I put it on the yard. All right, so when we come back now, we're going to talk to uh, uh, to my co-host here about the, the final two personality types, because this is where I know you fall. Neil is the innovator. I don't know if he's the competitor, but certainly the innovator and the competitor. These are the guys who are going to come up with some harebrained ideas, like loading your front lawn with real snow uh, that <laughs> that set Sounds the like bar an idiot. so high. <laughs> that would do <laughs> that, that. The, especially on the I hottest, don't know, we're gonna... hottest Christmas of the season ever. We should find out. We should find out exactly nah, who would do that. I say and we go to we... another segment. <laughs> All right. It's Neil Savager and me, Dean Sharp, filling in on this Black Friday, the John and Ken show. Lots more to come. KFI. AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. The guys are off today. Neil Savedra and Dean Sharp filling in for John and Ken. Hey, before we get back to talking about uh, Christmas decor and fine cuisine and all of the good things that Neil and I love to chat about, uh, let me tell you about Pastathon. It's happening. It's a little bit virtual this year because of COVID. But uh, you got to know that the KFI Pastathon is back. It's our 10th year. 
raising funds and pasta and sauce for Katarina's Club, Chef Bruno's charity that feeds more than 25,000 kids every week. This year, the need is even greater than before because of COVID. Uh, Katarina's Club is helping even more in the community. They've already served more than a million meals this year, which is way ahead of uh, where they normally are. So here is how you can help, and we need your help. Number one, donate. Uh, you can donate right now at pastathon.com, pastathon.com. Number two, stop into any Smart and Final store in California, Arizona, Nevada. Donate $10 at checkout. Your a $10 donation at the register is going to provide 14 meals. 10 bucks, 14 meals. I, I challenge you to find any other charity that makes $10 go that far. And then thirdly, of course, as always, uh, drop-off pasta and sauce donations. This year at the Anaheim White House, from now until the 4th of December, every single day from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m., uh, you're not going to need to leave your car. There are volunteers on site that are going to collect your donations, and uh, and that's it. And also make sure to tune in from December 1st through the 4th for some exclusive live streaming video events. All right. Dean Sharp and Neil Saavedra, uh, we were going through some personality types of decorators, of holiday decorators. Now I've less, uh, left the uh, what I think is the best for last, which is uh, the innovator and the competitor. I have a little competitor story, but uh, I peg you, Neil, as the innovator because I've heard of many of the things you've done, including real snow on your lawn. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I so will tell us no that joke. Story. No, really. You go work? through. You go through the almanac, and you will never find. I don't care. A decade back, you will never find a hotter Christmas season than the year this genius decided to get real snow dropped in his front yard. And this predates Maximilian, my son. So it was for my nephews and nieces uh, for Christmas Eve, and we had hay bales brought in, and we had, hey, Max. So um, we had hay bales brought <laughs> what in. What a handsome and lad. Isn't he, with his COVID hair, he looks like an Italian guy that meets you at the airport and goes, uh, do you need a lift? Uh, come on, sweet ladies, come on. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, so I did that, and I was going to be a big surprise. Then I had a snow machine do the fake snow on the roof that so that it would look like it was snowing and all of that. And that, it sounds extravagant, and it was in a lot of ways, but I actually fall more in line with you as doing with the traditional stuff some seasons, and then other seasons um, – uh, I'll, I'll try something else or try an effect that I like or something like that. But really, I, I probably am a, you know, I fall a lot of times into, especially with our house being as old as, as it is, trying to make it look a little postcardy uh, that way. And it just has a, a wonderful, inviting feel, something that makes me smile. I'm not the guy that puts a lot of blow up things in the yard and, and those types of things, because that's a little modern for my tastes that may change with Max, but I probably fall into that category. Now, Halloween, I will, I will do rear and front projection and uh, animatronics and things like that. Uh, but during Christmas, I like it to be it, it, uh, very traditional unless I'm doing a theme 
one year I did a um, Nightmare Before Christmas theme, and I had a nine-foot Jack Skellington, and we had fire lights over the house as well as regular, and candles, candles everywhere in the front yard. And, you know, uh, cr twisted Christmas trees and a lot of stuff from the movie. But that was pretty specific to that particular year. I don't normally do that at this house. All right. I'll accept that. But I'm still calling you the innovator because you, you I'll tell you what you don't do. You don't phone it in. No, Neil does I won't. not phone it in. That, my old house, with my, when my brother and I lived right next to each other, one of my brothers, he and I, I built a, a, a full-scale sled with the eight reindeers that flew off the roof. That's when I used to do more. But when you're by yourself, man, it's it's. I'm not going to have my wife get on the roof with me uh, for that. Uh, one of us has to, to live for the child. <laughs> one of them has to survive for next yeah. Christmas. So probably right, more so traditional with one... Christmas. That makes sense. I can, I can feel you on that. The last one is the competitor. Now, you, these are like the people that you see on the TV shows, right, who just keep going. I actually lived down the street from a competitor, and I am not. Let me just be clear. I am not, but I was drawn into it just a little bit. I, I used to live down the street from a competitor, and the, the, the reason I know that is because uh, one Christmas, they had actually already put out a few decorations for a good week or so, and I was running late that year. And then I decorated, and I think mine were a little more elaborate than theirs. The following week, they added a full layer or two on top of that. And I noticed that every little nuance that I added to the house, they added two. And I realized, oh, oh, I see. Somebody has to be the top dog on the street. So just that year, even though I'm not competitive, I just wanted to see how much I could get this guy to spend on his house <laughs> doing holiday decor. And so we just kept upping the ante a little bit as we went along. It was a cold war of uh, of decorating at that time. It was uh, mutually assured decoration. That's what it was. And so we just kept adding to it, and it was uh, an awesome experience to see. Uh, it's easy to get competitors riled up. And on the 26th, the neighbors came out from their house, and they yelled, Mr. Please tear down this wall. <laughs> and, it, and the great wall between the two neighbors came down with all the graffiti that said Merry Christmas and your ho-ho-hos and your season's greetings, and it was united again. Uh, yeah, that's not fun for me, but I will tell you, if someone wants to play that, I will always win because I will hover a damn helicopter over the house, if necessary, with exactly. Santa uh, and carolers just to go bite me. Uh, That's right. But, uh, no, I, I don't get competitive about that. I want to keep up with the neighborhood. I want the. I, I either want to set the pace and say, "Hey, let's have some fun," or if someone does something greater, I bow and I go, "That is really cool. That really makes the neighborhood feel fun." And I tip my, I doffed my cap to you, sir, and I go on my merry way. Exactly. All we ever want to do is just inspire everybody to have fun uh, at the holidays. You know, I I hope everybody. Exactly. Uh, decorate one week after we do and then just outdoes us in every way. I'm totally happy with that as we go. All right, when we come back, let's talk about the beginning of that decorating. Uh, I've got a little uh, pre-decorating checklist that I want you to listen to and follow very carefully so that you don't get yourself into trouble and so that you do survive to uh, next Christmas as well. 
Uh, we'll talk about that with Neil when we come back. It is the Fork Reporter and the House Whisper filling in on the John and Ken Show special Black Friday edition. <laughs> Neil has just shot himself in the studio, ladies and gentlemen. He has just committed radio song. This is the new classic. It's not a classic. It never was a classic. It's a new classic. It shouldn't It's a future classic. Can I jump in for a second? Yes, Eric. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I. This is uh, unbelievable. I can't even. I'm not. I'm not exactly is, sure who he's he leaning toward when he says that. He's apoplectic. I uh, at this dot go board up die. I'd like to point out, I will be compensating with some Hanukkah music as well. So that is coming up later on in the show. Is Morgan okay, no, twerking to this? Like no, Morgan is not I'm twerking not... to this. Is it... <laughs> you don't like this song? Not, not my first choice. Thank this, you, Rob. This Thank is a you. classic. It started on a classic TV show. Little cute little girl singing this song for Christmas. It's a classic. You just made it creepier, right. by the way, there, Rob. <laughs> no, 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 you did. No, you made it creepier, Rob. No one thought it until you said it. So. No, no, they thought it. No. I apologize, everyone, for Rob and his creepiness. <laughs> this KFI. little girl is a lot older than me. <laughs> Oh. Dean Sharp, the house whisperer, and uh, recently deceased fork reporter Neil Saavedra filling in here on the uh, John and Ken Show special Black Friday edition. You can hear Neil on the Fork Report every Saturday afternoon from 2 to 5. And uh, he's uh, producing for the big man himself on the Jesus Christ Show Sundays from 6 to 9 a.m. And you can uh, join me on home, one word, the shortest title in in all of KFI. Just that's one word. The, home. That's not the Saturday not the mornings title. from from six it to was eight. The best of times. And right it after was the worst of times. Home. Right after the Gene Sharp, the House Whisperer, live from the West, as the sun sets in the golden hour. Home. Home. Sharp. Just one word. One syllable. Dean. Uh, also Sundays Chickens. from 9 to 11. Jeez. All right. All right. It's Black Friday. Uh, I know you're not out shopping. You're at home shopping. That's fine. That's what everybody's doing this year. Oh, ship miss? Uh, Merry <laughs> ship miss? Exactly. <laughs> you know what? We took a little uh, ride uh, this afternoon, right around noonish. Uh, we took a little tour of uh, Thousand Oaks, went over to the Oaks Mall, Went to the promenade in Westlake just to kind of see. Oh my God! It, I mean, it looks like a it looks like a Tuesday at uh, eleven a.m. Uh, really? The official Are, is count, the Oaks open? The Oaks is open. The official count on the parking garage: three levels, bottom level full, second and third level had uh, three hundred and fifty spaces open, and the upper level had four hundred parking spaces. I mean, it, it just looked like a normal. And I grew up out there. It's never afternoon. like that. During this time of the year. No. Never. No. It's kind of ghost towny, Kind of weird. Anyway, uh, we know you're home, not shopping out. Uh, but if you're going to decorate, you are probably seriously uh, prepping for it right now. So I want to get you through 
a little pre-decorating checklist just to keep you alive till uh, next season. The biggest one that I want to talk to you about is ladder safety around your house, okay? The trickiest of all the decorations, of course, are putting up the the, the lights on the eaves uh, around the roof line of the roof, all right? So let me start by saying this. A-frame ladders, you know, the kind of ladders that fold out into the letter A, these are not the ladders to use around the outside of the house. They're not. Uh, number one, they have to rely on the level of the ground. And more often than not, you got flower beds and soft soil and all sorts of crazy stuff going on down there. Plus, they have you walking up, you know, climbing up parallel to the house, next to the house, and you're not facing the house. And so you have to twist. It's just, it's a mess. It's a mess, okay? A-frame ladder is not the one. And you might think, oh, that's, I'm not used to extension ladders, you know, leaning up against the house, but that is the one to use. If you're going to get up on your roof or near the edge of your roof, you want to use an extension ladder that leans up against the side of the house. Now, maybe you don't have one. Maybe you don't even have a good A-frame ladder. Uh, I'm going to steal one item off of uh, this weekend's House Whisper holiday gift guide and tell you that Werner, you know, the uh, ladder company, Werner, great ladder company, uh, they have come out this year with a ladder that they call the Lean Safe. And it's actually brilliant in its simplicity. It is an A frame ladder that very quickly flips open into an extension ladder. So just think of a six foot A frame ladder that you can, if you want, flip open the backside of the A-frame and into a straight extension ladder that's uh, 12 feet tall. So it's That's what I have. I love it. Yeah, right? It doesn't it works yeah. out great. It's lightweight. It's not one of those telescoping ladders that weighs 800 pounds uh, because there's like seven layers of aluminum <laughs> yeah. down one inside it makes the other, you, right? You, you have you become like a a, a firefighter's uh, ladder truck and you're like all the way up. Exactly. So anyway, uh Ladders. Now, if you've got gutters around the outside of the roof line, uh, you don't want to lean a ladder up against the gutter. But for about 30 bucks at the hardware, so you can go to Home Depot and get these, Lowe's, you can get a, a little uh, standoff bracket that actually uh, you mount at the top of the ladder. The bracket is going to actually sit with their very soft feet right on the edge of the roof, and it's going to keep the ladder itself from leaning up against the gutter and crushing the gutter. This is the ladder to use. So really the three things on the uh the 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 pre-checklist is use the right ladder, keep it safe, seal up those electrical connections, right? Use the little weather rated uh shells to cover over where you've joined extension cords together. And today's a perfect example, as you're setting up your decor, whatever it is, plan for wind and rain. Plan for it. Don't just set it out there on a perfect still night and expect on a day like today that uh, everything isn't going to be, uh, you know, horizontal in the front yard. So yeah, we do have some weird weather biggies. that, you know, pops up sometimes here in Southern California. And it's like, really? Um, yeah. Those cases are very inexpensive. Uh, they lock tight. They usually have an O-ring or something that keeps them those joints sealed uh, sometime and also keeps them together. Some people you'll see do the knot, you know, tie the knot and then join the two extension cords so they don't pull apart. Uh, this will solve exactly. that problem as well, uh, especially if you're going the, uh, on the roof line on the uh, top gables and stuff like that, as I have to all the time, every year. Stay safe, people.
Stay safe out there. All right, when we come back, uh, Neil's going to take us where he wants to go now. What are, what are yeah, we going to we'll do? We'll get into uh, leftovers and things like that. Mm! Yes. All right. So much more to come. Dean Sharp, Neil Saavedra filling in for John and Ken on KFI. KFI AM640 live everywhere on that there iHeartRadio app. Hey, everybody. It is the John and Ken Show. The boys are out today. So you've got the house whisperer and your friendly neighborhood fork reporter, Dean Sharp and Neil Spader here. We're keeping it light, uh, uh, easing in. Uh, we will get into a little bit of news later in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll have Steve Gregory join us to talk about some of the things going on with uh, you know, COVID and Thanksgiving, and you know, we need to know this going into uh, the next holiday uh, part of this season. Uh, so we'll be getting into that coming up a little bit later. But right now, Dean and I both have uh, shared loves with uh, both uh, construction, decorating, uh, building. We're both makers. We like to make things and create. Creating is a gift uh, to have the desire to build up things when uh, you know a lot of people like to just tear them down. So we're going to be sharing those things tips and tricks when it comes to your home and also um, cooking. So Dean, uh, what'd you, what'd you end up doing for Thanksgiving as far as uh, the food stuffs? We, uh, we set the turkey aside this year and decided to go prime rib, baby. Oh, excellent so it was choice. All prime. Yeah. It was also great because I bought way too much prime rib. So Tina and I have got prime rib for days now. Yeah. Days. I don't, I don't understand what way too much and food means. I don't. It's like I hear there's words. I mean, I hear you're saying something, but all I hear ultimately is like rah, 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 prime rib. And I go, yeah. Yep. It's true. That's good. It's true. Uh, so so we'll get to. And... Yeah. I want to get to because I know you, uh, you like me, love to cook. And um, from everything I've seen and tasted, you're uh, quite damn good at it. So we'll get into. I know you have like your, your 10 your top 10 when it comes to doing prime rib. So we'll talk about that in just a little bit. I want to get into leftovers. As Dean just said, they've got prime rib plenty, and mm. how to use it, especially that prime rib is an interesting cut uh, because it is quite fatty um, and it should be cooked uh, to you know, medium you rare me? or medium. What's that? What'd you call me? Oh, you heard Did right. You call Mr. me quite fatty. Yes, uh, Dean is quite fatty. <laughs> Boy, hi, Kettle. Yeah, uh, this is uh, this is Pot. You're black. Um, so when it comes to uh, when it comes to leftovers, here's the battle that you're you're up against. Um, a chef once told me, and this is the best description of cooking. It is a battle of moisture. That's it. You are trying to keep moisture in when it's trying to get out. And you're trying to get moisture out where it's trying to get in. That's the battle of cooking. It's troubleshooting. And the worst thing you can do when it comes to uh, reheating leftovers is to be too quick about it. Uh, so today is the day, the day after. Today is the best day to use them as is. If you're going to try and recreate yesterday's dinner, today's probably the best day to do that. Slowly uh, warm them up. Uh, things like, um, you know, chicken stock, a little bit of milk, things like that. More adding a little moisture in in that process is a good thing. Do it kind of low and slow, bringing them up to temperature. They, if, uh, it is recommended that all of your 
leftovers be brought back up to a safe temperature, which is uh, 165 uh, in the center. But when doing that, add a little bit of the moisture and you'll be fine. However, you get into tomorrow and that's when I say, sky's the limit. You know, find, find what, uh, what you can do to transform it. That's when you should get creative. As a matter of fact, while Dean and I were on last segment, uh, someone reached out on social media and you can follow me uh, and join me if you wish on Instagram and Twitter at Fork Reporter at Fork Reporter. And uh, Annie hit me up and she was saying, you know, our, the lamb came out a little dry, but we have a lot of it. It was a little overcooked. Uh, you know, what do we do with the leftovers? And so don't think of them as leftover lamb, think of them as a vehicle to something else. So in that case, I said, especially if they're a little dry or overcooked, mince them, get a blade out, chop them up really good. You can also put them into a processor and lightly pulse it, um, get them small, add some olive oil to it. That's bringing more moisture, um, uh, soy sauce, a little bit of hoisin. Uh, you can put some fresh garlic in there, green onions, uh, water chestnuts, maybe some diced, very finely diced uh, carrots. And now you put them into a, a, a lettuce wrap and you're using them as texture, a little bit of flavor, but you're using them as texture and you're getting the moisture from the things you're putting on top of. It doesn't resemble what it was. So it's not like, hey, you remember when you made that really dry leg of lamb yesterday? No, now it's something new. And to do that, not only... Uh, is it fun and you feel creative like you've made something wonderful but on the flip side of that um, you're not wasting and you're telling you're tricking your brain to say hey this is something fresh and new uh, and that's a, a, a great way to combine those things do you find the same to be true in in your home Dean I, I find the same to be true not just with leftovers but sometimes my first attempt at things like, oh yeah, we're gonna like I'm gonna the very first time I ever did I told everybody come over I'm doing pork shoulder I'm doing pork shoulder and when they got there I said hey guess what we're doing pulled pork it's pulled pork <laughs> because it, <laughs> because it got too dry and I decided you know what we have to shred this thing and add sauce and they'll never know That's so it's exactly that idea of transforming it. transforming it into a component of something larger I say this on the on the fork report quite often and that is uh, a dear friend of mine who's a chef said neil if you ever make a mistake cooking something rename it and nobody will ever know and one time when i first attempted uh corn dogs uh, scratch corn dogs they sputtered uh, there's a process when you make a corn dog that you have to kind of lightly lay it in back and forth and let it congeal a little bit and the, the hot oil just crust the outside a little bit before you drop it in otherwise the the hot oil is trying to extract the liquid and it bubbles up everything so this bubbled up and all of this they tasted great but i called them european style corn dogs and nobody asked they just said they were terrific <laughs> like, it meant nothing what the I hell was... do they know transylvanian <laughs> corn dogs yeah exactly. oh, that's how they do it over there but what they what are they gonna do travel over there google it i don't care they say oh no that's no, very rare but i thought it, someone was gonna call me out on it because i it was just being a smart ass but you know have fun be creative i'll get into some tips when we come back about uh reheating process and the microwave is not an enemy 
you just have to use it for what it is. And I'll explain that more as Dean Sharp and Neil Saavedra fill in for the boys today. We'll be back with more keeping it light and talking about the holidays, decorating, uh, how to safely get up on that house, how to safely warm those uh, leftovers. And we'll be, be back with more. So go nowhere. We've officially killed the Christmas hippopotamus, I think. KFI AM640 live everywhere on that there iHeartRadio app. Hey, everybody. It is Dean Sharp and Neil Saavedra in for John and Ken today. Happy to be with you as we bring in the holidays. With food, house stuff. Uh, Dean and I share a lot of the same passions about creating and uh, you know, moving things up and forward and family time. Uh, so we're going to keep it light. We'll get into some heavier, slightly, slightly heavier stuff in the five o'clock hour because uh, our buddy Steve Gregory has been uh, looking at what uh, COVID and the holidays mean this year. Now we have a tiny bit of a look at Thanksgiving as well as some of the things with restaurants going on that I think are, are very important. Dean and I are flipping each hour, focusing on different things. Dean's focusing on a lot of home stuff. I'll be focusing on food, but I assure you, we both share love for those items equally. We dig it. We dig, dig, it. <laughs> we dig it indeed. Um, have you ever had like one of those proud moments when you transformed leftovers Dean into something magical that's a really good question thank you I, um, I do this for a living I'm a professional I don't obviously <laughs> You're, I'm thinking, well you know, Neil I'm, no. I, I, I make the exact amount of food for the exact amount of people exactly all the time no 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 we always have tons of leftovers and I love and I I, I I'm going to say it this way, and this is not to be, uh, you know, overly humble. I don't think it has anything to do with me. There are so many Thanksgiving-type meals that, you know, for instance, dressing, that three days later all by itself tastes better. Oh, than, yeah. Uh, I think it did on the day of because not a lot of it people. And this is one of the things I think that, that more people should do, which is, you know, Get your butt cooking a couple of days before the event if you really want some of those flavors to really take hold and, and begin to meld and cooperate with each other. So I think in my case, I'm not sure I've ever done anything extraordinary with leftovers other than two days later, we're like, wow, this dressing is, this stuffing is amazing now. This is so much better than it was on day one. And that's not just because we get to indulge again and again and again. I think it's actually true. No, it, it's scientifically true, as a matter of fact, because a couple of things take place with leftovers. And it, it, if people tell me all the time, I think it was uh, Conway uh, was talking about his wife, Jen, uh, saying that she loves Chinese food or something like that better the next day. And I said, that's not a myth. I mean, that's reality. What ends up happening because they're turning and burning, you know, getting those sauces together and turning, getting things to the masses in restaurants and the like is that they haven't necessarily had the time to marry in the same way they would once they're in your fridge. And flavors can marry. Uh, I've talked to the, uh, you know, on some of the shows about this, about how things like capsaicin being an oil uh, takes longer to, you know, uh, 
uh, the the part that's imbibed actually to ex exude all of it into everything else doesn't sound pretty, but it what ends up happening is the capsaicin, the oil, the part that that we find to be spicy and hot, um, comes out slowly. And if you've got seeds in there, so when a salsa or something sits overnight, a sauce sits overnight, they marry. You talked about stuffing. If you if you want to do something different with stuffing, again, today's the day to eat them as is, as leftovers. And tomorrow is the day that I start recreating. You have about three days. Some things last a little longer. Some things don't. Mashed potatoes, you want to kill those. Um, but, you know, about three days uh, are the leftovers that you're going to be enjoying. Um, so Saturday will be my alarm to you. Uh, that you need to you need to be done. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you you know what? I can tell you something I'm about to do, which I think is gonna be awesome. Because we had prime rib uh yesterday. Mm -hmm. So I've got a good portion of beautifully slow cooked, you know, pink from edge to edge, hundred and thirty degree prime rib sitting in the fridge right now. And uh whether anybody knows this or not, but the primal part of uh the cut uh, which, by the way, there's a difference between prime, as in the grade of meat, and what a prime rib is from the Indeed. primal. That was one of the things I learned. But one anyway, is a grade, that, one is that, a cut. Yeah, right. And so that cut that that's just a that's just a roll of ribeye steaks waiting to be uh, seared. And so one of the things that I have planned for the for what's left over is not serving up Tina and I prime rib like we had yesterday. But I'm going to slice off a couple of good one-inch sections there of this uh, already, you know, almost like pre-sous-vide uh, cold meat, uh, season it up really good, and sear it very quickly uh, in the skillet. And we're going to have some ribeye steaks out of it. Oh, yeah. So that may be— Excellent It choice. remains to be seen, but it may be my, my best use of leftovers ever. But you know what? What you said was powerful, Dean. That, that to understand what the cut is, why it is, and where it comes from— can lead you to understand how you should use it for the next its next uh, reincarnation, literally, carne. See what I did there, Latin. Whoa, yeah, Whoa. right, huh? You're welcome, Whoa. Dean. You know, we talk about it on the show. I we <laughs> we talk about it on on uh, my show all the time. People get stuck in in the names of applications of building materials, just like they get stuck in the names of dishes, right? Instead of Getting underneath it. That's why our 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 buddy Alton Brown uh, was uh, transformative in my own understanding of cooking because he was one of the first guys who came along and started talking about. All right, let's not talk about this recipe. Let's just talk about butter. What butter can do. And suddenly, I had tools in my hands where I'm like, now I'm exactly. understanding. I can I can move this here. I can move it there. I can push this. I can nudge it. You know. It's tools and building supplies. It's a, it's a very similar concept. When I get in the kitchen, I'm like, all right, what do I have? Let's make do. Yeah, the, the, the laws of physics and engineering uh, don't look at the blueprints. So, you know, they, they sometimes things come your way and you have to improvise and adapt. We're going to do that right now. We're going to get some news. But when we come back, we're going to talk about my list. Dean likes lists, so I put together a list for you. Of uh, three simple things nice. that you need in your in your uh, leftover toolbox, we'll break that down. Also, don't forget where uh, Dean's going to talk about that prime rib and his rules for a good prime rib. So go nowhere. It is uh, Dean Sharp and Neil Savager in for John and Ken.
songs like these that everyone thinks, oh, it's so cute. And then it's like, well, yeah, not to the kid who's now in therapy on his second decade because he saw mommy, you know, being a trollop with Santa Claus. See, this is creepy. Yeah, this is creepy. You're this right, creepy. Rob. We've now pushed the... We've the hippo pushed... song is not creepy. <laughs> yeah, it is. Don't give somebody a hippo for Christmas. Don't. Even if they ask. You know why? Because it's a kid. And the kid's going to say, I want a helicopter. I want a DC-10. I want you to say, no, you, I'm the parent. You don't get a freaking hippo for Christmas. That and sounds here, like a great song. And here I was thinking I picked a classic. I'm twerking. <laughs> KFI, twerking. It's working or twerking? Oh, it I'm is twerking. The, oh, you listen, see? We're, you see? we're just here it's to live, songs laugh, like love. This, that Morgan is twerking. <laughs> yeah. KFI AM640 live everywhere on that iHeartRadio app. Yes, the stupidity you are hearing is not John and Ken. It is Dean Sharp and Neil Saavedra hanging out, talking holidays and the like today. Don't forget the KFI Postathon is back and better than ever. It's our 10th year. It's different. I get it. We're just trying to raise funds, pasta and sauce per use for a great charity, Katarina's Club. Now, Chef Bruno, you know about him. He feeds more than 2,000 kids every week. And this year, it's huge. Okay. The COVID's changed everything, as you know, and he's helping even more in the community already served more than a million meals this year and look we're in november so that's a a a milestone that usually comes at the end of the year and uh so this is this big you can donate very simply pastathon.com pastathon.com or this is super cool because you're probably going to be going in there for the holidays anyway go to any smart and final store california arizona nevada got you covered donate 10 bucks at checkout and uh, your donation will provide 14 meals. So if you want to drop pasta and sauce off uh, at the Anaheim White House, please do from 12, four daily, uh, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. You can uh, go in there and uh, drop off and they got you. You don't even need to get out of the car. Got volunteers gonna collect those donations. So, and between uh, 12, one and 12, four, Tune into KFI. We're going to have some exclusive live streaming events and things like that. So uh, stick around with that. All right, my my list. So Dean and I are going back and forth. He took the first hour. I've taken this one. He'll take the next hour. We'll go back and forth so we we lead and uh, get to playing each other's playground a little bit. So leftover kit, fresh herbs, moisture. That means uh, cream, milk, uh, broth or stock, uh, these types of things, fats. And what I call transformers. A transformer is another carrier. It could be a tortilla. It could be a you know taco shell. It could be a big. I'm a big fan of uh, frozen puff pastry. Get get the good stuff. Get it made with butter. Um, if you have a Super King uh, store in your neighborhood, you're you'll be stoked. They've probably got a hundred different kinds of pastry uh, bread. Uh, that is uh, pastry dough rather that you put in the freezer. Um, very, I keep that on in hand all the time. I've got it all the time because you can do apps with it. You can do sweet and you can do savory. Those are what you want. The fresh herbs, adding something new, brightens things up. Um, I would also put with moisture, vinegar or acid. So that means lemon juice, lime juice, orange juice, vinegars, your cider vinegar. These are things that are going to brighten up the flavors. Transformation just go nuts. Enjoy yourself. Uh, you can take leftover 
stuffing, for instance, or dressing, if you didn't put it in the bird, and you want to, you know, transform it a very fun way tomorrow morning, treat yourself to this. If it didn't have egg in it, mix it with a little egg, because um, you're going to need that as a binder. And then you put it into a waffle maker, shut that waffle maker, and you will get the crispest, most flavorful, delicious uh, dressing waffles that uh, you can add. You can add syrup if you want to make them sweet, or um, you can add uh, a little bit of uh, sour cream on top, and they're just delicious. That transforms it. It tells your brain, hey, brain, this is something different. And you go, okay. That is brilliant. Isn't I that love fun? that idea. Also, a great way Dean, I thought to... is yeah. uh, French fries. Great way to reheat French fries. Throw them in a waffle maker. Well, you know what I did? Just a, uh, two or three years ago, I discovered putting hash browns in a waffle maker. The best. My wife flipped out. I showed her that recently. With These are great for... You put, keep them in the cupboard. You can find um, uh, freeze-dried uh, hash brown slices um, or grates, if you will, and uh, you can keep them in the cupboard and they rehydrate wonderfully. And it's one of the best ways to make them is a little bit of oil in a waffle maker or one of those, you know, kids sandwich makers where the pocket sandwich right, right. makers, they work out fantastic. Hey, Neil. Because the key yeah. to that whole thing is is surface area, right? It's surface area it maximizes yeah. the waffle iron, maximizes the crispiness of the surface area of the waffle. Eric is chatting. Yes, we're going you, to break. Well, have you ever thrown uh, leftover stuffing in the waffle maker? Yeah. Were you not listening to the show? Sorry, I was cutting. Eric. Up, I was cutting up the podcast. I'm sorry. Tune I was in, cutting man. up the podcast. <laughs> I was cutting up the podcast. I apologize. <laughs> That's. People don't understand that board ops are not board ops. They are music directors. They're octopi. Hey, They're Neil. sitting there doing a thousand different things. Yes, it is fantastic, Eric. It really is. Um, so transform them. Uh, keep moisture in. Uh, the, the, your, uh, you can use the microwave, but keep in mind a microwave is a dehydrator. That's what it's doing. It is activating. Uh, microwaves are about five inches and in change long, and these little things are bouncing around in there. That's why you have that weird screen on the glass so they don't come out and take your baby maker down and they're bouncing around in there going all crazy and they're trying to find the water so try this one time put a kernel of corn in a microwave and turn it on for 20 minutes and that thing ain't gonna pop but you put a you know a quarter cup in there and it will they'll pop because it needs it needs mass in there for it to really uh get to and to bounce around so when you're using that keep in mind the worst thing you can do is trying to heat something up in one minute, the whole thing. Do it in little steps, bring it, stir it, and bring it up to temperature. No joke, people complain about pizza in the microwave, which is not my the best way to do it, but you can if you let it come warm up a little bit on the counter before you put it in there and you do it in small increments, you'd be surprised you can get that pizza fairly tasty if you needed more quicker than doing it in a skillet or uh, something like that. All right, we come back. Uh, I'm going to talk to Dean Sharp about his uh, 10 steps for great prime rib. He did it yesterday for Thanksgiving. We'll get into that and more, so go know where it is. Uh, Dean Sharp and Neil Saavedra in for the boys today.
KFI AM640 live everywhere on that there iHeartRadio app. Hey, everybody. It is Neil Saavedra and Dean Sharp in for John and Ken today, talking holidays and the like. Uh, you can hear Dean every uh, single Saturday from uh, 9 to 11 and every Sunday from 8. Wait, no, 6 nope. to 8. Nope. 6 to 8 six, Saturdays. 6 Six to eight on Saturday. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Who are you going to believe, you or me, Dean? I'm sorry. So Saturday, wait, you're on KFI, right? Yes, I am. Okay, I just want to make sure. On Saturday mornings. On Saturday mornings, six to eight. And And Sunday. right after Jesus, Jesus opens for me. Never heard of it. But uh excellent thank you that was a test i was just seeing if you could get it right and you did congratulations you got an f plus okay great uh, yeah <laughs> so uh i'm neil Savedra, and you can hear the fork report every uh saturday from 6 a.m to no i, I keep see uh no sundays from, from two to five to, from two to five okay saturdays from sense. two to five hey join me on social media won't you uh instagram and twitter at Fork Reporter, at Fork Reporter. Every Saturday night, uh, I do a uh, quarantine speakeasy with my brother Craig. He and his husband actually have a full working speakeasy in their home. It is redonkulous. Uh, it's upsetting uh, that he has something so cool in, cool in his house, but he is an enthusiast of the spirits. And uh, so we'll be doing it probably socially distant. I do go over there on occasion, but I think we're going to, with COVID... Uh, uh, we're trying to be a, a little safe um, when it comes to new numbers. So w- we shall see. Either I'll be doing it from home or uh, uh, we'll be doing it together. We shall see. But that's at 9 on Saturday. So join me there, won't you? Uh, Dean, a lot of people don't know that Dean and I share a lot of same interests. I'm a maker. I have a full working shop here at the house. Um, in the past uh, couple of months, uh, I most recently built, uh, rebuilt um, doors to the basement, the bulkhead doors. I The, the very wainscoting behind me is uh, from scratch that I built uh, not too long ago. Uh, I like to do that. And Dean, on the flip side, yesterday, uh, in, in addition to many days of the year, is out cooking and baking and the like, uh, uh, a fan of baking breads and doing scratch made things in the house um he did a wonderful prime rib yesterday and he's got a list mm. for you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm just thinking about it just, let me just, let me just take a did you name it mm. <laughs> get a room <laughs> he's like no we didn't name it because then i wouldn't have been able to eat it so oh it doesn't bother me thing. i'm eating great All right <laughs> I had I did learn some things though. I did learn some valuable lessons about uh, prime rib. Shall I share a couple with you? I would love it. Okay. Uh, first of all, get a good interest rate when you mortgage your house to buy that prime rib. <laughs> that's that's number one. Plan that's it out in advance because there may be an appraisal involved, and you may you know you may need a ninety day lead time on that. <laughs> number two. Uh. Uh, I think I already mentioned this. There is a difference between prime rib, which is a cut from the primal, and a rib roast that is USDA prime. And if you are going to go to the expense and the trouble of wanting to get prime rib, make sure your butcher is not handing you 
a rib roast that is USDA prime, you are asking for the prime rib. Okay. Uh, how much do you need? Uh, I, I wasn't sure about this. I just kind of went with the general advice, but it turned out okay. Uh, about two people per bone on a standing rib roast there. And that is, let me tell you, that is ample. That is a lot. So quite often I went in thinking, well, okay, how many pounds of, uh, of prime rib do I need? And the, my butcher out in, in Ventura, Ventura Meat Company, which is a great place to go, um, he said, no, we, no, normally we just count by bone. So how many bones do you want? And I'm like, well, I don't know how many bones. He's like, well, two people per bone. Oh, okay. All right. So then we got it. And it was, we, we actually, it's more than we needed, but it was an ample supply. One of the big important things that I learned was have the butcher uh, remove the rib bones from the roast, but keep them. And uh, the reason is, and I know it looks sexy to keep the ribs uh, on there, right? It looks great. But uh, two things. Number one, the bones are not adding any flavor to the meat as zero. It zero. It's doing People zero say that all the time. It drives okay. me nuts. All it does is it, 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 it's a heat source. It helps evenly cook sometimes. It helps uh, radiate heat and retain heat. But it is, it, it is, it's not the meat closer to the bone is sweeter and all that business that people say. Right. It's just not happening. And so, uh, so we, we took the bones off. The other thing is, on a prime rib, the bones are covering about a third of the overall circumference of the roast, which means there's a third less crust that you get to have on every slice. And so by taking the ribs off, we get to put on the rub and we get this fine crust 360 degrees all around the roast as it goes. And then uh, it just every slice tastes better because you get that crust on the outside edge. And the other thing, too, is in cooking a rib roast, you want to get it as uniformly round as possible because, you know, Odd shapes are the enemy of uh, even cooking. So in order to get it round, uh, taking the ribs off helps a lot because the ribs kind of hold it in that bizarre sort of steak-like thin at one end, fatter at the other shape. By taking the ribs off, I was able to tie it up in a way that I was, uh, you know, kind of pushed it down and got it like a round tube, as it were. And it cooked so beautifully, evenly all the way through. Yeah, was, you trust uh, that meat and you're building that uh, uniformity is super, super powerful. We'll get into more of those uh, uh, in my hour coming up a little uh, later, unless you want to take them over. Uh, Dean's going to drive the train when we come back, so go nowhere. It's KFI and KOSDHD2 Los Angeles. KFI. Festival of Lights. AM 640. Instead of one day of presents, we have eight crazy nights. <laughs> Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, welcome back to the special Black Friday edition of the John and Ken Show. What's special about it? They're not here. And Neil Saavedra and me, Dean Sharp, we are here Filling in for the guys instead. And we're talking all things uh, decor and uh, cuisine, everything kind of uh, just setting the mood for the holidays now that uh, Thanksgiving is uh, past and Christmas and Hanukkah and all sorts of celebrations are before us. Kind of an interesting year, a unique year for sure, obviously. Uh, things are a little different this year. 
when it comes to uh, celebrating the holidays, but we are hoping that uh, we're going to inspire you to both uh, engage your senses and your taste buds and uh, everything that you can in order to make it as full and wonderful a season as it could be and as it should be. Uh, Neil, I want to talk about uh, Christmas trees. The Morgan handed me a, um, a a news story out of the Associated Press that uh, it doesn't surprise me. More folks this year are buying real trees and artificial tree sales are down. And that is just music to my ears because I am a true believer in the real Christmas tree. But let me qualify a couple of things first. Number one, I know there's somebody out there thinking, okay, why would a tree hugger like Dean encourage us to buy a real Christmas tree? Isn't that a bad thing for the environment? And uh, the answer is no. It's just the opposite, okay? Please understand, this is not a bunch of people running out into the forest and just cutting down random trees in our national forest. Christmas trees are a crop. They are a crop. There are some 100,000 Americans uh, full-time employed in the Christmas tree growing and harvesting business. They are grown on farms. They are harvested just like broccoli or potatoes or pumpkins for uh, Halloween. It is a crop, and uh, it is a renewable crop. The fact of the matter is, according to the American Christmas Tree Association, for every Christmas tree that is harvested, three saplings are planted in its place. So it is actually helping the environment in that sense, uh, rather than hurting the environment. We are now we are not clear cutting forests in order to grow Christmas trees. And the other thing that you should know is that there have been some issues. Uh, associated with artificial trees. They're made out of PVC. Uh, a lot of them, if if not most of them, come from China. Uh, there have been issues with uh, lead dust poisoning off of uh, Christmas trees coming from China. There's just the issue that they're made out of PVC, which means once the solar system burns out and the earth explodes into particles, all that will be left uh, of our civilization uh, when we're gone is artificial Christmas trees and patio furniture floating through space. And Madonna. PVC. And <laughs> yeah, that's it. Coincidentally, also made of PVC. Yeah, currently. Uh, yes, at this point. <laughs> so anyway, this is just to encourage you. There is absolutely nothing wrong with stepping up to a real tree. And why are more people doing it this year? Because they're better. It's just, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to diss you if you've got an artificial tree. Please put up an artificial tree as opposed to not doing anything. But no, for the elderly or people, there are some times where it's sure. super convenient and it can be a mess and stuff. I used to argue I'm a, I'm a convert, a reluctant convert to, uh, to an artificial tree because uh, my wife, although she, we had real trees for a long time, she gets tired of them just being dirty and and all of that. I grew up that way. That's, you know, we were poor, but man, we had a, a, a live Christmas tree. And nowadays they're very expensive. But um, I thought about this year of switching. And so we're going to get a real one. We'll put up our artificial one, but um, we're going to get a real one for two reasons, um, a smaller one. 
for another room so that Max has that sensory response to the smells of Christmas and things like that, just that, like you and I had growing up. And I think that that's powerful. Like I brought the turkey indoors yesterday instead of cooking it outdoors because I wanted to smell the turkey cooking in the house, all of those things. Exactly. It is so powerful. It's so powerful. So um, so I, let's talk about, and we'll do this when we come back from break. Uh, let's talk about if you're out looking maybe for the first time ever for a live Christmas tree, uh, what are the things that uh, you want to be taking into consideration in terms of uh, the balance between that tree lasting all the way through the end of the year and uh, the fragrance that it's putting off? There is a relationship between the two that you need to know uh, when you're shopping for a Christmas tree, and it's a critical, a critical tip. Uh, that I'm going to hand you. We're handing you pearls here. By the way, little fun fact. I don't know. Wait, wait. Who's the is, swine but... in that in that equation? Uh, it wasn't pearls and swine. It was just. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. All right. Didn't just you know if the shoe fits. If the hoof, if the if the hoof and shoe fits. <laughs> if the... It, okay, if you've got an artificial tree, please take care of it, because I'll tell you this. Uh, these are the studies that have been done. Uh, you need to get at least nine years of use out of that artificial tree before it becomes more environmentally friendly than eight years worth of real Christmas trees. Because when you consider the manufacture, the chemicals, the shipping across from China and all of that kind of stuff. Nine years, nine years, you got to keep it. On the 10th year, uh, you're in the black as far as the Christmas tree goes with the artificial tree. So take care of it if you've got one. All right, when we return, uh, we'll find out uh, how smelly your tree should be. I'm so glad you joined us on this blustery autumn afternoon. Hang tight, a lot more to come. It's the Fork Reporter and the House Whisperer filling in on the John and Ken Show. Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party hop. Mistletoe hung where you can see every couple tries to stop. Rocking KFI. around the Christmas tree at the John Christmas and Ken Show. That guy needs to stop smoking, I'll tell you that right now. Neil Saavedra and Dean Sharp filling in for John and Ken on this uh, special edition Black Friday show. Smoking around ahead, the Christmas tree is probably not so smart. That's right, exactly. Uh, all right. Where were we? Oh, we were talking about uh, Christmas trees, buying real trees. I'm going to break it down so simple for you here. So simple, okay? First of all, if you're gonna get a real tree, you got two choices, right? You cut or pre-cut, all right? You cut means uh, you're going to a Christmas tree farm or a lot that actually has a farm attached to it where they're actually growing trees out of the ground. In Southern California, more often than not, you're gonna find those, uh, like uh, in my own hometown here, uh, in those stretches of space under power lines next to freeways, you know, the easements, uh, I don't know exactly how that works, but I know that uh, agricultural uh, vendors have the opportunity to cut deals with the power company to grow crops and such underneath power lines. 
I don't know if that makes them Raven Wackby by the, or if they grew... the twenty three or whatever the place you're talking about. Uh, uh, I'm trying to yes. picture it. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, it's, I know exactly it's which like one you're Pedersen talking about. It's like Pedersen and the twenty three. It's like three blocks <laughs> yeah. from my house, right? I, when we tell the guys when the when the tree boys start to tie the tree onto the top of the car, I'm like, don't even bother, man. I'm 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 driving like three hundred yards away. I'm gonna carry it. Of course, it, home. it falls off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like the guy hold, trying to hold the mattress down on the freeway. Uh, but no, re- yeah, it's it's real close to our house. But anyway, that's uh, common throughout Southern California. Now, so this is what you need to know. If you're if you're in Southern California and you're going to do the you cut it yourself uh, thing, which is, you know, it's the experience, right? It's like you, especially if you've got younger kids, uh, you know, you, you grab one of their carts, their wagons, a saw, a handsaw. And uh, get out there and, you know, roam through the acreage, find the tree that you're looking for. You guys get to cut it down. It's totally it's as fresh as it can get. Right. Because you literally just cut it and take it home. However, there are only certain kinds of uh, conifers that grow well in Southern California. So if you're going for the you cut tree, then you're talking about a Monterey pine. More than likely, about 95 percent of them are Monterey pine. They've got really long, you know, kind of bright green needles. And so they're uh, the furrier of the uh, Christmas tree uh, appearances. But they're beautiful. The branches aren't super strong as far as, you know, rigid. So you got to be careful how heavy the ornaments are that you're going to hang on them. But, uh, you know, it's a it's it's a fresh option. Uh, Aleppo pines are out there. If you can find a a tree farm that has Aleppo pines, you're going to do better. They're probably the shapeliest and the hardiest of the locally grown trees. Or you can just bypass the pine tree altogether and you end up with like an Arizona or a Leyland cypress, a cypress tree, right? Look, kind of looks like a, like a juniper tree as far as, you know, cypress have that same kind of non-pine leaf on them. Um, those are actually really good if you got somebody in the household that has an allergy to, uh, to either the dust or the, the essence of a pine tree. You can go for the cypress tree. Uh, as you go, or an Italian stone pine, if you're just going to get one of those little uh, Charlie Brown tabletop trees uh, for an apartment or something like that. That is your you-cut-it-yourself option. Now, we step on to the pre-cuts. The pre-cuts are coming from out of state. They're coming from the Pacific Northwest. Most of them are coming from Oregon, and uh, they're fresh, too, uh, in in terms of, uh, you know, we're only talking about maybe four to five days in between cutting and them showing up on most lots, okay? The big decision in the pre-cut department is fragrance versus endurance. And not a lot of people uh, realize this. You think, well, I'm going to get a Christmas tree, and of course I want it to last as long as possible, but we're going to bring this tree in, and we just want it to just, uh, you know, uh, just be aromatic inside the house. Talk about moisture, Neil. Talk about, you know, when leftovers all come down to moisture— Christmas trees, real trees, come down to moisture. If you can smell it, it is losing moisture. Okay, so there are you're breaking my freaking heart. Tree. Is what you're doing, Dean? I'm just telling. I'm just here to tell you the truth. So longevity or is, smells good. Exactly. Can I put a Viagra in the water and just get the smell good one to last longer? Well, you know, and that's that's if you're going to get a smell good tree and those that would be in the like Douglas fir department, Douglas fir trees. 
they are going to just make the inside of the house smell amazing, right? But they are also, the reason that you can smell them is that they are off-gassing moisture with that aroma in them, right? They're losing moisture into the air inside your house. Honey, so, I love the off-gassing of Christmas. It just, it brings the house together. Man, you made that really wonderful holiday experience just crapped on. All right. Nerd alert! Warning. Hey. All right. I have you my, know it. I have my way. Okay. So, if you're going to go Douglas fir, you got to make sure you get that preservative in the water, right? Otherwise, you go for the hardier trees. Now, a noble fir, that's kind of a halfway point between the two. The Nordman, the Nordman, that is European, Europe's uh, preferred Christmas tree, by the way, all throughout uh, Europe. Um, it is such a waxy tree. It's going to look brand new on like uh, at Little Christmas on January 6th. But you will never smell the Nordman because it holds on to it. It knows how to hold its water. That's all I'm saying. And as a result, uh, you're going to have to find another way to perfume the air inside the house. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to, to burst your bubble, but this is just the truth. And, you know, when you're buying a tree, you should understand uh, ask the uh, the folks at the lot, like, is this an aromatic one? Is this going to hold up? And you're going to find that relationship always the case. The ones that give uh, aroma are the ones that are drying out faster. Gaboom. All right. It's Neil and Dean filling in on Black Friday for John and Ken. KFI, AM640, live everywhere in the iHeartRadio app. John and Ken are off today. Neil Saavedra and me, Dean Sharp, filling in for them on this Black Friday afternoon. There he is, Neil. Hey, uh, just before we dive back, I've got a question to ask Neil. But first, uh, you guys know Pastathon is back on. It is back it is our 10th year raising funds and pasta and sauce for Katarina's Club, Chef Bruno's charity that feeds more than 25,000 kids every week. This year, the need is uh, right up there. It's greater, actually, than in years past because of COVID, right? Uh, and uh, the, just the, the fact that uh, we're not going to have that same exact live event and uh, and get everybody revved up in that way. So we need you to come through for us. Katarina's Club is helping even more people in the community this year than ever before. They've already crossed over the threshold of a million meals this year, which they normally don't reach until the end of the year. So they're way ahead of things. This is how you can help. You donate right now. Go to pastathon.com and just donate anything you can. Number two, stop into any Smart and Final store in California or Arizona or Nevada, all those states. Donate $10 at checkout. Your donation is going to provide fourteen ten dollars equals fourteen meals. That is a deal on any day of the week. And then dropping off pasta and sauce. If you're here in Southern California, uh, the Anaheim White House is taking donations from now all the way through December fourth. They're doing it daily from eight a.m. to three p.m. You don't even have to get out of your car. Volunteers are on site. You just drive on in. They're going to get uh, collect your donations. Uh, it's safe, uh, it's quick, and uh, it's going to mean the world to a lot of people. And also tune in from December 1st through the 4th 
uh, during the week for some exclusive live streaming events. So Pastathon is happening, everybody. Uh, please uh, help us step up and make it the, the best year ever, despite all of the obstacles that are in the way. All right. I feel like I need to come back after disappointing everybody about smelly Christmas trees. And so... Uh, that was pretty cool, though. I mean, you don't think about that. And that that's a, was a fantastic primer on how to pick a tree. I do have a question, though. Do you... Sure. Uh, the cutting, like like flowers, you know, they say cut, give a fresh cut. If you don't get them at a farm where you're cutting them down and you get them after they've traveled from Oregon, um, do you put a fresh cut on there? Uh, is, Absolutely. Is, does that help? Absolutely. Yes, it does. It does. Uh, you know, we just did a tree pruning show a couple of weeks ago where uh, I spent the whole time explaining the fact that trees don't heal trees seal okay mm. so trees are not like you and me they don't have blood platelets running through them they don't what? respond to cuts and scratches uh the way you and i do in which literally uh the platelets stop the bleeding and then there's a process in our skin where cells the old cells are literally being replaced trees don't replace cells they don't uh they actually just try to cover over damage with bark and uh, sap. And so that tree, even though it's been just maybe four days that it has from being cut, it has already uh, on its own, uh, not fully realizing that it's dead yet, uh, tried to seal off the bottom of that cut uh, in any way that it can. And so that's going to pre prevent the tree from uh, uh, uptaking water in the bowl on your stand. Wait a second. And that's why that fresh cut is important. Now I feel stupid yelling at it while I'm trimming the end off saying your pain and your screams fuel me. <laughs> Is that <laughs> so now strange, that seems weird. It's a strange approach. It's a strange yeah. approach to a so Christmas tree. If, if you cut the tip of a Christmas tree, didn't cut the base and then you put the top of it now freshly cut in water, would it try would it try and continue to seal that the end? Yeah, it would. It would. That's it would. so every, weird. Every part of a tree. Yeah, it's just trying to seal off and isolate its wounds. It's like Wolverine. It's not going to heal them. Exactly. Um, so is there anything you put in the water that would help? Like uh, people talk about sugar or things like that for flowers. There are, uh, you know what, I don't actually know what the chemicals are in those tree preservative uh, kits that come, but they do work really well yeah uh, i've noticed i think they're mostly i think they're mostly sugar on some level but there are some other preservatives that help the uptake uh and and keep the green color if you don't have those uh at your disposal or you didn't want to buy one yeah sugar sugar in the water is going to help it's just going to help just the same as a you know fresh cut flowers in a vase it's all kind of working the same way so the sugar will help it'll hold on but I recommend it while you're at the lot. Just you know, go ahead and grab one of those packets and uh, and follow the instructions. Uh, after you take a couple, have them take a couple of inches off the trunk, a couple of inches fresh, and then get that uh, new stand on and get it in water as soon as possible. It's not like it's got to be in water in half an hour, but you know, don't let it lay around for a day or so, uh, or you're going to be recutting it as you go. Uh, Neil, how do you feel about inflatables? I feel like this is a sexual question, and my answer is going to be <laughs> thrown back to... at me later. 
I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. And now I'm nervous. And this took a really dark turn. Uh, you mean, <laughs> you no, see, yeah, see. I love, I love when Eric makes things worse, not better. Um, so right. you mean it, out in the front yard? Yeah. I've never been a fan because they're so modern to me. I mean, I grew up in the, in the, you know, what is it? The, um, uh, blown plastic type, uh, you know, whatever with light in them or even better, the ones that you would light. We had, my dad was a, um, he, back when they had display designers, uh, he, he, mm -hmm. he and my mom met at, uh, at Bullock's Wilshire, as a matter of fact. And when he, when we were in Newberry Park, there was a Sears and Sears had display designers that designed this display, he was one of them. So he would bring things like Santa Claus home that they weren't using that year anymore. And we'd have things like that. And uh, so that's what I remember. However, with a four, uh, going on four-year-old, I'm sure he's gonna want those blow-ups in the house or, or in the front sooner or later. Right. and. So that's my point, uh, and you're absolutely right. Inflatables are no, there's nothing traditional about them, at least for our generation. Now, one day, you know, uh, uh, you know, by the time Max is having kids, they're gonna be like, "Oh, we're gonna do the old, the traditional inflatable," you know. The oh, rock we're not doing the holograms <laughs> like the other guys on the street. Thanks, we look like no, idiots. No, we're gonna use these inflatables, kids. <laughs> we're doing it old school, like they used to do back in the day. They're all patched so, up. Uh, this, Here's how I feel about inflatables and why I encourage people who who don't want to climb up on the roof, uh, who don't want to put themselves at risk and who basically want a really, you know, inflatables are plug and play. They are, they're they're a plug and play uh, decoration. And they also arguably, even though they're not traditional, they have got to be at the top of the list as far as most childlike and fun. Things. Yes, I mean they they are Agreed. just they're balloons in the front yard. They for have Christmas wow power, time. most certainly for the young. And when done right, when I've seen like an entire scene of these things, or even just a well placed large snowman, absolutely, I feel it. I get it. Um, I just they weren't my thing growing up. We didn't have them. The snow globe ones where they blow the snow, I think, are super cool. There's some that are that move that I think are really cool and eye catching. Um, and they're easy to store. You can't argue with that, you know, storing them. Exactly. They're light. They're easy to store. Boom. They make a big impact. So if all else fails, you can get a, a, a decent sized inflatable for about 30 bucks. And of course it goes up from there, but, uh, you can just pop one of these or two of these out in the yard and you are good to go. Nobody's going to Scrooge you with that one, uh, with an inflatable in the front yard. Cause they're just so fun. All right. When we come back, uh, I'm going to, uh, Give us a little sneak peek into the uh, House Whisper Holiday Gift Guide, which is what I'm spending both shows this weekend to do. So you and I, Neil, we get to talk about tools. So take a look at that list and let's uh, let's talk tools uh, as gifts for the holidays. When we return, it's the Fork Reporter and the House Whisper filling in on the John and Ken Show. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. KFI. Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer, and Fork Reporter Neil Saavedra filling in here on the John and Ken Show on this special edition uh, Black Friday show. Uh, you can hear Neil on the Fork Report every Saturday afternoon from 2 to 5 and producing 
for uh, the Jesus Christ Show Sundays from 6 in the a.m. to 9 a.m. And uh, I'm helping you out on home Saturday mornings from 6 to 8, right after the Jesus Show on Sundays from 9 to 11. Okay, it is Black Friday. Tomorrow is, uh, I believe, Small Business Saturday. Monday is Cyber Monday. So it is undeniably gift buying season. It has uh, begun. Uh, hey, a note on that, Dean, before... is uh, uh, yeah. Mo Kelly. Mo Kelly does a Small Business Saturday show every single Small Business Saturday. So tomorrow you're going to hear Mo's entire show is going to be uh, on Saturday and Sunday, I think. Uh, uh, is devoted to small business. Just uh, a shout out to our buddy Mo. And Mo Mo actually sets it up so that small businesses can come in and basically do take a part of the show and uh, do their own commercials on the show, which I think is just super cool. All right, Neil has in front of him the sneak preview of this year's House Whispers Holiday Gift Guide, which is what we are doing this weekend, both Saturday and Sunday's show, moving through uh, our annual holiday gift guide so neil uh you're looking at it uh what do you think uh what do you like what do you want to talk about there because i either want it or own it so i'm like i'm like i was looking through everything and i'm like got it want it got it want it uh yeah this is a great list great list so what do you think is there anything uh, on there that you want that uh you know well, there's what am I going to get you for Christmas? This there's one of the things. Here's the deal with me. I have a shop. It's about a, let's say it's just under 200 square feet, somewhere around that, which is a nice size shop. But I will tell you, I have laser cutters. I have vinyl cutters. I have special heaters and ovens. I have all kinds of different things. It takes up space. I'm really big on space savers. Uh, one of the things that I just purchased is number 16 on your list, which is the Bora Centipede, which is oh, yeah. just us is space finding ways to have um tools that you need and things that you need but keep them orderly in smaller spaces a, a centipede table that you can pull out that will go four by you can get them smaller but they go four by eight they even have the folding tabletops um as well that fit on them and now you've got a space for for you know a chop saw for your table saw all you know in the in the backyard or wherever you're working Exactly. So let me describe what Neil's talking about here. So uh, this company, Bora, makes a center. Now, you guys know how uh, like a camp chair folds up, right? Or an easy up uh, a canopy folds up, right? It's got very thin tubing and lots of hinges. And, you know, it's very kind of cool and geometric. Well, imagine one of those very lightweight devices uh, with so many uh, little hinged levers uh, mixed into it that when you spread it open, it spreads open to, and this one particular, this is the large size one, which I think is uh, $160, $170, $180, $180. The price keeps going up every second I talk. It's $180 uh, in most places. Uh, it spreads out and uh, big enough to put a 4 by 8 standard sheet of plywood on the top, and you instantly have a workshop table. It will hold 1,500 pounds. The weight is distributed so well. And the, the cool thing is when you're done, you know, uh, because may, you know maybe you're one of those people who actually parks their car in the garage. When you're done, <laughs> you take the plywood off, you fold. Now, Neil, how, how small does this fold up? And how light oh, is it? Oh, it folds up quite small. It, it folds up uh, a little bigger than maybe two 
chairs. That was a great analogy. Those chairs, the for the beach or what what have you. It folds up pretty tight. Um, and the cool thing is, is they also have an accompanying tabletop that also folds and has a handle, so you don't need to have a piece of four by eight laying around either. And so you can get that to attach to it. They have a whole series of clamps and guides that go with it too. So for cutting and for measuring and for clamping and all of these things, it is one of the most stunning systems I've seen. And the coolest thing is that space saving element. I mean, you can throw this rack on a hook uh, in the garage and the tabletop lays flat and you're golden. Excellent. All right, I've got. Uh, uh, oh, I don't have time to slip another one. Maybe I'll have time to. Uh, no, we'll, we'll throw do it when we come back. Out at you uh, when we come back. But I want to talk one rule about though, this Dean. New I'm yeah. I'm hosting the next uh, hour, and we both need to be I drinking. Know, yeah. So find All right. find your beverage. Hey, We're drinking the last hour, buddy. That's not fair. I'm on it. I'm I, on Eric, it. Eric, you're about... flying the ship, but uh, but Dean and I'm I are going to celebrate the holidays. What about me? Woohoo! You can do it when you get home. All right, y'all. <laughs> Neil takes the wheel under the influence when we return. So much more to come. <laughs> Dean Sharp, Neil Saavedra filling in for John and Ken right here on KFI AM 640 and Coast HD2 Los Angeles everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on that there iHeartRadio app. Hey, everybody. It is uh, Dean Sharp and Neil Saavedra in for John and Ken today. Happy Black Friday to you. The holidays are upon us. We're filling in for the boys today, kind of getting in the holiday spirit, hopefully. Talking about, uh, uh, you know, getting your house ready, cooking. We'll get into some leftovers in just a little bit and some uh, tips and tricks when dealing with leftovers. One of my favorite wins that I've ever had with leftovers after Thanksgiving. I'll share that with you. Very simple to replicate. Um, but I was digging Dean Sharp's list as we went to a break. Now, first, uh, before we get into business, Dean, what are you drinking? Okay, well, I thought I would let you choose for me because uh, right now <laughs> the, ben the bench is deep. The bench is deep. So I've given you three choices here. Okay. okay? Uh, I've got some lovely... Whistle Pig 10-year oh, rye whiskey here. That's a fantastic, right? keep it, fantastic, yeah. To keep it American, right? Uh, I've got American. what has now become my my favorite cognac, which is ABK6 cognac. Fantastic. Uh, wow, great. Both, okay. both home runs. And then I've got a uh, lovely new bottle of Lagavulin 16. So oh your choice. Gosh. i got Petey Scotch. I've got some brilliant cognac, and I've got a really brilliant dry rye whiskey. So, um, although I don't mind sipping uh, uh, a dry rye, um, the others would be my choice if I was just having something neat. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. uh, uh, so knock yourself out. Let's go. Uh, let's go with a cognac. It's kind All of right, holiday-y. So I have, I have a uh, old fashioned, 
I put together an old fashioned during the break. Uh, I used uh, the Weller 12 year and I oh, nice. used um, as my sweet, I used maple syrup and some Cointreau, about a, a half teaspoon of each. Uh, and then I used uh, orange bitters, four shakes, and then two shakes of Ango, and stirred that up nicely and placed it in with some clear ice. Uh, and salud. Happy holidays, my friend. Cheers. Oh. Cheers. Here we go. And to everybody. Oh, man, oh, man. That is an area. L'chaim. That's an area where you excel me so extreme, uh, Neil, because. Uh, I am not a mixologist. I mean, I love a fine spirit, and I love being served well-mixed drinks. Oh, yeah. But uh, around here, my son, Jason, is a brilliant mixologist. So whenever he's uh, around, I'm like, yeah, mix me up something special. But me, I'm I'm just kind of neat and straight around here, and that's why... Uh, Nothing you know, wrong with that, though. Those... for the better stuff. Yeah, it's good. And, it, it, you know, I go back and forth. My brother Craig is an enthusiast, and he... he Man, yeah, he just served me an old-fashioned the day uh, the, uh, the other day that was one of the best I've ever had. So uh, my new favorite. And it just is a nice way, when you think about the holidays, the browns really work well, as does gin. But the browns are so fantastic. A nice snifter there. Uh, Dean's got some cognac. And uh, it just is, it, it sets the pace. So I thought we'd end with uh, really getting into the holidays as the sun has gone down and having some... Uh, it's after five, man. We can have a drink. It's five o'clock saying. somewhere. Yeah, that's what they say. So, salute to you, my friend. Um, mm. I, uh, I want to get back into your list because you barely got to scratch the surface, and it's one of my favorite things that you do each year is the Dean Sharp Holiday Gift Guide. Uh, when do you post it? I didn't see it on the website yet. Is it posted this It's going to post tomorrow morning. It's going to okay. post before we go on the air tomorrow. So you're, you're getting the sneak preview, but it'll be up uh, on the KFI website and also uh, at home with Dean, our, our social media across the board. The list will be there waiting for everybody as we start to walk through it tomorrow. So you have shifted me. I'm, I'm one. I, I don't buy uh, sets of pans personally um, because I like to have mix and match. I do the same with my tools. You know, if I like one particular pan here, one particular pan, then I do that. I will mix and match tools based on uh, need and, and you know, some, if I'm doing something that needs real guts, then I'm going to go with um, a higher brand. If it's just, you know, something that I'm putzing around with, it doesn't matter. Um, so you've turned Don't... me on to, to Milwaukee, and I will tell you, you never look back. It is such a killer brand. And um, one of the things that I have that I'm madly in love with and argue with people now who are pneumatic freaks are bradders and nail guns that are wireless. Yes. It is you know what? just I a have... game changer. Yeah, I have been. I, I am cautious. Now, I, I, I am an early adopter when it comes to most things. But when it comes to professional grade tools i'm a bit cautious and because i need to see it proven out you know and so after 30 plus years of using pneumatic professional grade brad nailers finish guns framing nailers you know i was cautiously optimistic about uh, battery powered uh stuff but i gotta tell you uh we're there now we're there the batteries they're strong enough and not just Milwaukee, you know, uh, any brand uh, of the major, what I would call the major professional grade brands, whether it's DeWalt or Bosch or Porter Cable or Makita or Milwaukee, these brands, these are extraordinary guns. And they actually, 
for for whatever their Achilles heels might be, and there is no tool that is without its weaknesses, you know. Um, and of course, the weakness of a battery-powered tool is that you're going to have to change out the batteries and so on, and uh, keep them charging and have a line of batteries ready to go. But the the one thing that is absolutely fantastic, most fantastic, even better, I think, than just the pure portability and the fact that you're not dragging a an air hose through the house or through the project behind you just to try and use one of these, the convenience, that's great. But for me, because I, I don't really care about the inconvenience, I care about the end product, these uh, electric battery-powered nail guns and brad nailers Every shot, exactly consistent pressure. And even the best pressure regulators on an air compressor, you're going to feel as you shoot too many nails, you're always going to get that one that didn't go in far enough because we were just maybe five pounds off pressure. And as a result, it didn't drive in as far as I expected it to. And that's always a problem because you've either got to get the nail set out, drive it in the rest of the way, or you've got to pull it and start again. These guns every shot and when they when they drop below the energy level to produce the convenient shot they just shut down they just will not let you put in a bad nail and that is brilliant and these things work so well it has made my life during our uh restoration and renovation of the house uh, so magical to put up stuff it's like i put i put up crown molding heavy crown molding have you by myself on lath and plaster walls that are uneven by its very nature of a house, right? Um, by myself, and I couldn't have done it if I didn't have that portable of uh, a brad nailer in my case. Uh, you know, it just was it, so easy to use that I, I fell in love. All right, we'll come back. Uh, can we do a little bit more of this before we get into leftovers, Dean? Yeah, I want to talk about a titanium hammer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're... You're the only one. You're the only one that wants to talk about a titanium hammer. But we will when we return. Uh, Dean Sharp, right. Neil Saavedra uh, for uh, John and Ken today. We'll be back with more, so go nowhere. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on that there iHeartRadio app. Hey, everybody. It is uh, Dean Sharp and Neil Saavedra in for John and Ken today as we're doing a special holiday event of us talking about homes and getting ready for the holidays and food and leftovers and all kinds of stuff. We've been going through Dean Sharp's... Um, We've been going through his holiday gift guide, which is one of the, my favorite things he does because not only does it have good, just hearty tools in there, really cool uh, trends or changes in some traditional things, but also some um, fun stuff and playful stuff as well. So we're going through that. I'll get into leftovers, um, really how to convert things. And one of my victory laps um, uh, years ago that I had with uh, leftovers from Thanksgiving and how to out how to outthink the leftovers to make them good enough that even Mo Kelly might eat them, uh, Dean. So, go, I know. so we just talk about the Brad uh, and the nailers, the Brad nailers and the nailers um, that are wireless, and they've. It's really about isn't everything about battery technology? Really, it's not about the tool. The tools can do what they can do. That battery technology change is what's going to take us to that next level. Yes. It's exactly right. And so in the last uh, just five years, uh, batteries have really 
the the lithium ion battery has just kind of, kind of gone up and evolved uh, in in a major major way. So they are they're really putting out. They're very sexy because they're putting out. Uh, yeah, you know, even so, uh, Elon Musk has talked with, and that did not go by me. By the way, I know what you're saying. It's all right. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Dirty yeah, dog. Um, so uh, Elon Musk is parting with Panasonic, and it looks like he's going to be changing the direction of the batteries he's using because that really is the next technology blast that we need to go into that next place or, or batteries for cars, for homes, backup units uh, on solar, all of these things, as you know. Um, but as I'm looking through a lot of these, um, uh, the, your list, Dean, and of course you can hear more on Dean Sharp uh, Saturday on Saturday morning from 6 to 8, and then on Sunday from 9 to 11, he'll be going over these. But you have some fun stuff. We actually have this as well. The the Crossley uh, Radio Cruiser Deluxe Turntable is a really, really right. fun one. Um, it's just seriously cool. If you're in love with vinyl, uh, it's a great turntable. This is Max's first uh, turntable. So we bought is him it? one years ago. Yeah. And he loves it. And uh, it's it's beautiful. It has a very retro feel to it. And to plop it on and to hear a record again, you know, again, it's that sensory response that we have, whether it's grandmother's yeah. house or what mom and dad used to make in the kitchen or whatever it is. We have the Christmas trees as we talked about earlier, the, those, uh, you know, reminiscing um, responses that we have in our head. Uh, there okay, is... Neil, Neil, y Neil, yes, sir. Neil. All right. You, you got a few sips of cognac in me now. Okay. Can, can, we talk All right. about, can we talk about my titanium hammer? Oh, I forgot. I forgot because you're the only one that's ever used that term in the world. Yes. Bigger man. No, no, not that titanium hammer. No. Wow. That's not, not a couple its of belts in him. You've ever heard the term whiskey hammer? Yeah. All right. So here's the thing, right? No matter how fancy the electric brad nailers and the framing nailer everybody who does remodeling renovation construction you got to have a hammer you got you have to have a hammer okay here is what we have learned talking about the evolution of hammers here's what we've learned about hammers and it comes from basic physics so let me nerd out on you for a second force equals half mass times velocity squared now what does that mean other than just a bunch of nonsense words? It means this. It means that the weight of a hammer has far less influence on the force of its strike than the speed of your swing. Okay? And this is why this new generation of hammers with titanium heads. Not only is titanium a harder metal than steel, tempered steel, but it is half the weight. Equal force with half the weight of the head. Now, what does that mean? It means if you're a pro, right, then you can swing this hammer for decades and uh, not end up with carpal tunnel syndrome or a bad shoulder. It means if you're a homeowner and you're not used to swimming, swinging a big hammer, it means that you can swing this hammer all day long and be very effective with it because... We're talking about a framing hammer that is only 16 ounces in weight on the head. What we've realized is that if you put a lighter head up there on the end of the uh, uh, the handle, it allows you to swing the hammer faster, and that faster swing ends up making up for the lack of mass in the hammerhead. So 
on uh, number 15 on our list this uh, year is a stiletto 16-ounce framing hammer. This, I'm telling you right now, is the most beautiful and most uh, best-performing hammer I have ever held, and I am a, admittedly a very experienced framing carpenter. This is the most beautiful hammer ever. And it comes it's in at a pricey... Yeah, it's a hundred dollar hammer. You could put okay. it on a necklace now, for your wife and say it's jewelry. Now, I'll, I'll give it this one caveat: <laughs> is that its bit, its older brother is two hundred and fifty dollars. Okay, that's ridiculous. But this hammer with a nice hickory axe handle, long hickory hickory axe handle, it's gorgeous uh, curved handle at the end. Um, this is your handle. first. This is your first and last hammer you will ever, ever buy. You will love it. You will say to yourself, oh, my gosh, where have you been all my life? And uh, you will give this to your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. It is a beautiful Screw piece. Of, it's going in the grave it is, with me. It, it is the physics of hitting stuff. You That's know what's what funny? Real quick before we take a break, when I was in metal shop, um, took a handful of years of metal shop, and I, <laughs> for one project, had taken um, – uh, some uh, uh, black steel and knurled one end and then drilled a multiple uh, specifically placed holes from halfway up uh, to the top and, <laughs> and to make it lighter. And uh, my teacher said, it's beautiful. What is it? And I said, it's an equalizer. <laughs> he said, I will grade it, but you cannot keep it <laughs> for lightning the swing. <laughs> Yeah, well, I made one later on my own. All right, uh, it is Dean Sharp and Neil Saavedra drinking our way into the last hour as we're filling in for John and Ken, talking about holiday stuff. Clearly. Uh, uh, You can find out more about these great lists, Holiday Gift Guide of Dean Sharp's for 2020. Um, He will be talking about it tomorrow and on Sunday. You can find it there at his page uh, on KFI AM 640 as of tomorrow morning. So check it out there. We come back. We'll talk leftovers. KFI AM640 live everywhere on that there iHeartRadio app. Hey everybody, it's Neil Saavedra and Dean Sharp as we fill in for John and Ken today. I have completely forgotten and been a doofus. You've got Mark Thompson filling in for uh, Tim Conway tonight. He'll be joining us in the last segment just to uh, say hello and let you know what he's talking about. So uh, go nowhere. Stick around for that. We went through uh, Dean Sharp's just, just scratched the surface of his incredibly fun detailed and well thought out holiday gift guide for 2020 it'll go up on the website tomorrow on dean's page and he'll be talking about about it tomorrow from uh, six to eight and then on sunday from nine to eleven so stick around there i invite you to join me on uh social media on twitter and instagram at fork reporter at fork reporter on twitter and instagram i do instagram lives and sometimes um sometimes uh, i've uh, tipped a glass or two there's one of them that I chased a fart squirrel, a.k.a. a skunk. Uh, and uh, on a rare occasion, uh, trash pandas, a.k.a. Uh, raccoons. So I, uh, I, there's a lot of things and nothing funnier than a bald, tattooed uh, fat guy chasing a skunk. That's hilarious. 
so you never know what's going on. I scared a neighbor on accident uh, in the dark doing one live out in the front yard, and they were walking by quietly. So you never know what's going to happen. Uh, and I ask you to join me there on Instagram at Fork Reporter. And then uh, tomorrow night, I think I'm going to go live with my brother Craig from his speakeasy and talk about holiday drinks. So uh, please join us for that, won't you? I also, like how, my... I like how yes, you sir. said I, li- I like how you said you scared a neighbor on accident. Well, no, I scare them on purpose in the in the daytime. At night, it's a whole. That's an accident. That is not on okay. me. All right. During the daytime, I get it. Okay, it's li- living ne- next to uh, 1313 Mockingbird Lane. However, when it's dark, I, you know, that's not meant to happen. Uh, Pastathon's coming up. 10-year anniversary. Uh, you've got Chef Bruno and Katarina's Club feeding more than 25,000 kids every week. Now they're at a place that they didn't expect to because of the need and COVID. They are hitting a milestone so early in the year. Normally, it takes them the full year to hit a million meals. This year, they've already hit it. That means they need help more than ever. Donate right now at pastathon.com. You, this is super cool, and I love this. Stop into any smart and final store. I love them. You love them. They're great partners. California, Arizona, Nevada. You can donate $10 at checkout. Your donation will help uh, provide 14 freaking meals. That's just amazing. You can also drop pasta and sauce off at the Anaheim White House from now through 12 4 daily 8 a.m to 3 p.m and you won't even need to leave your car they got people there to collect your donations safely and of course tune in 12 1 through 12 4 for some exclusive live streaming events that we're doing it's a different year but it doesn't mean the need is not the same so please all right so dean and i were just going over his list um of things to get you know i should do one of these people always ask how come you don't do one of these lists like dean and i'm like well you know his stuff is very thorough but i guess you know, there's food stuff that uh, and things that I'd love to put on there. So maybe I'll, I'll tackle that and completely uh, rip him off uh, because that's what you that do. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> You're all, sounds good. That's great. Great idea. Uh, now, if I could only have his head of hair. Hmm. Mm, no, gift, no chance. That's going to be the first one on my gift list is a good toupee. It's like Neil's gift list. First, get stupid hair dye for your beard. Second. You know, Weight Watchers, but don't use it. Third, yeah, go through all of it. Um, House Whisperer hair. <laughs> exactly. Cha-cha-cha-chia. We should, we should make a, a House Whisperer chia pet. And you know what? The chia is edible. That's They use those in, you know, I wouldn't eat theirs, but um, those seeds are chia seeds. Fun fact. Yeah, a little, little something for you, huh? None of that. I didn't. You know, I didn't use. Uh, every time I hear that, I think of Tawala and Mo. I'm sorry, I do. So uh, I didn't use the term, you know, off gassing yet during the show. But I did use fart squirrel, so we're even. Uh, when it comes uh, to um, when it comes to leftovers, don't think. And this is this is to be creative. Um, for instance, Dean, when he looks at a piece of wood, he doesn't look and go, that's a piece of wood. He looks at that has potential to be whatever I want to do with it. And you have to see food the same way. When you look at leftovers, don't look at them as leftovers. Look at them as ingredients. 
and what they bring, what flavors they are, what textures they are. Can you change the texture? Can you make something else out of it? So one year I looked, I had ham, I had turkey, I had some, some dressing, and I pureed it. I pureed it, added just a tiny bit of uh, salt and pepper to it, and then I took that, I made a fresh pasta, and you know, fresh pasta is one of those things that is pretty easy. You're talking about uh, an egg, a half teaspoon of salt, one cup AP flour, all-purpose flour, two tablespoons water, and you put it together very simply. Then what I did is I added some uh, mozzarella and a little bit of Parmigiano Reggiano in there, and I made uh, I made raviolo, and I had uh, you know uh, made them large. You can make them into multiples of ravioli and and you know, they're just lovely, okay? And you cook them like you normally would. But then you take your sweet potatoes, you puree them, you heat them with a little bit of um, cream, and I ended up, and a little olive oil, and I ended up making a sauce for them as well. And I will tell you a little bit of crema on top. It was one of the most wonderful dishes. It's not leftovers mm. anymore. It's something brand new. And it's simply because I looked at them as ingredients rather than leftovers. That's so true. You know, we do this with houses all the time. People get stuck in the old story of their home. They just keep seeing their home for what it was, what it is, what it was. And they're thinking, what can I do with what it was? And our answer to that is nothing. We want to change it. Let's use this as the building blocks of what could be and what you're talking about i think is brilliant and it, you you had me there for a second there i was a little worried yeah you're all you're doing what I, i'm not imagining my you you liquefied the ham <laughs> i'm not really i'm not really seeing myself as a as a fan then i put an ice cube in it and some bourbon and i made i made a cocktail it's, what's he gonna say liquid meat uh, you know i'm not a fan of liquid meat but as soon as you said uh you know uh pasta and you brought oh i think oh okay that makes total sense you could do a tortellini so you could do of... all kinds of things right. with it you just have to see it like you um, i look at the yam and i whisper it i go what's your story tell me your story yeah <laughs> you were a yam but what do you have inside you and i whisper <sighs> that yam and it says make me a sauce neil i've always wanted to be a sauce by the way my nickname in prison was liquefied meat. We'll be back in a second. We'll talk to Whoa. Dean Sharp some more, and we'll Whoa. also bring in uh, Mark Thompson, tell you what he's got going on for Conway tonight. So go nowhere. Makes sense, though. It does Let's... make sense. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good tidings we bring to you and your kids. KFI AM640 live everywhere on that iHeartRadio app. It is uh, Neil Saavedra and Dean Sharp in for John and Ken today. And, you know, I'll be remiss. I know we've been on for a little bit. We're talking about home improvement stuff for the holidays and cooking and all these things. And I know John and Ken aren't here, but it, I, I figure, you know, maybe people called the Moist Line to see, to leave some things for us. So let's let's give it a listen. Hey, this is John. And this is Ken. We're so excited to hear from you. It's about time. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I'd like to say that this is for Dean. 
Uh, Dean, if you talk about MDF one more time, let me tell you something. That is of the devil. It's not real wood. You use hardwood or you don't use wood. Yeah, I'd like to say that uh, I was listening earlier today, and um, I would, you know, there is a lot of people that come up and they keep telling us how we are supposed to eat, how we're supposed to drink, what we're supposed to do with life, and I want to say, you can have my frog wall, California, when you can pull it from my dead, cold hands. Yeah, I'd like to say, uh, <clears throat> this will be, uh, this go over easy. Listen, Italians. It is not gravy. It is sauce. I did not see that going that way, but I appreciate you taking the time to call in, folks. Uh, wow. I mean, I didn't know. I feel know like we... there's a reason we don't drink on the air most of the time. Dean, I want to tell you, you just learned something very powerful, and I feel like you've gone to a next <laughs> level, a new plateau in talk yeah. radio. I'm just I'm writing I'm taking that as a note right now. Do not drink with Neil on the air ever again ever. But Dean, we'll be off the air soon enough, baby. You and oh, me. Oh yeah. We're gonna get we're gonna get Zoom barachoed on the air. <laughs> off the air. We're gonna be like <laughs> Hey, um Uh very quickly, if we get uh can we get uh are we gonna get you let me know when we've got Mark and you can just bring him up. Mark's going to be filling in for uh, Tim Conway Jr. coming up here shortly. Yeah, someone requested us to have an, uh, you know, uh, a little bit of the moist line, so I thought we'd at least check and see. Apparently, there were a couple of calls. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I so it. I think we've learned titanium hammer. Yes, uh, liquid meat. It's okay. Uh, your tree stinks <laughs> because it's giving off gas. It's, it's off gassing. It it's off gassing. Uh, and uh, I think it's been very informative. And, and to bring some uh, extra handsome and brains to the equation, let's bring Mark Gibson in. Oh, wow. That's a pretty cool intro. Nice to uh, hear you boys together. Wow. It's like the I, – I swear I feel like I'm inadequate whenever I hear you speak. Uh, hey, well, you are inadequate. It's an odd time to tell you during the holiday season, but uh, – We've all been wanting to tell you for years, frankly. Uh, I love hearing you. I love talking to you, even if it's in a, you know, like the crosstalk thing where I'm supposed to tell you what's coming up on Tim's show where I'm filling in, and you're supposed to be so nice, and you always are. And uh, I don't care. I like talking to you, even if that's the, uh, the reason we're talking. So uh, uh, it's great to, to be in touch. Our favorite part, speaking for Dean, uh, our favorite part of when you fill in with Conway is when you start and you go, listen, Let's just start off the bat. Everything he says politically is wrong. Oh, let's take some calls. That's my favorite. That, well, that's that's my favorite. It, the great thing about Conway's show is he sort of takes the view that we've done a lot of politics through the day, and so eh, we can kind of you know turn the politics on low, and that way we don't have to deal with as much. And as a result, our you know the disparity between us is not quite as noticeable all the time. But we definitely – I always use uh, Conway and, and myself as an example of two guys who have very different politics, and I would do anything for the guy, and he'd do the same for me. We're utterly uh, super pals, you know what I mean? So it's, uh, it's a sign that we can all get along in America, everybody. Um, Heaven but forbid. They are, yeah, but they, they are telling us uh, not to get along – with other families uh, in public or in private for a while. It's part of the new safer at home order that's going into effect. It's a, 
this is super controversial. And you, uh, uh, Neil, specifically in the world of restaurants and dining out, you have to know how this hits so many in the restaurant community so hard. And uh, and we'll get a little bit into that and go over some of those details because a lot of these businesses have put a lot of money into some kind of outdoor accommodation so that they would be able to deal with the existing order. And now to have that no longer acceptable, uh, very, very tough. We'll also get into Black Friday. Rich Marotta is joining us to talk about this Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. Oh, fight. Tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> wow. And there are all sorts of <laughs> modifications. Like, it sounds like, you know, two old heavyweights going at it, but the reality is they've they've got a bunch of restrictions and they've reduced the amount of time in the rounds and, you know, headgear and all this other. They're not wearing headgear, but because of that, there are going to be other sorts of modifications you're going to make. So we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll no talk walkers in the ring, movies. that kind of thing. Smart. <laughs> and yeah. no walkers in the ring. Uh, there was a, an Alex... Trebek Thanksgiving message that was posted. Mm. If you didn't catch it, we'll play it for you. Uh, and we have a uh, finally a a game. And I love games. And we'll play a game. It's a holiday game. It's a holiday movie game. And I think it's going to be absolute big fun. We're going to do it in the 8 o'clock hour. So that, also Grammy uh, controversy and more. It's a big show, Neil. And it's a big show, And he's going to follow The last hour is going to be apparently the kitchen sink. Hey, this just in. You might want to talk about this, Mark. This just came in, that apparently the number of speeders are up this year during the Thanksgiving holiday. So they're only allowing 25% occupancy on the streets. Uh, I get what you're doing there. See what I did there? See what you're doing there? Yeah. Sons of bitches. Mm -hmm. Very, very good. All right, buddy. We'll be listening. Mr. uh, Mark Thompson. Good to talk to you. The voice of God in for Tim Conway, the comedy God. It's Kohl's Super Cyber Monday. Shop online and save with an extra $10 off 50. Plus, get $15 Kohl's cash for every $50 spent. And take an extra 20% off. Fitbit Versa 2 is $129.99. Save on Cuisinart Air Fryer and get 40% off Lego. Plus, free store pickup. Shop Super Cyber Monday today only at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select style, select deals valid November 30th only. 10 off 50 offer valid November 30th online only with promo code jackpot. 20% offer valid November 28th or December 2nd with promo code 20 off. Fitbit and Lego offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See storeorcoast.com for details. This Marketplace podcast is supported by UKG. To be a powerfully productive business, you need powerfully happy people. Two leaders in workforce management and HR have joined forces to become UKG, Ultimate Kronos Group. With comprehensive HR solutions, they'll help you create more meaningful connections within your workforce that will make your people smile. UKG, our purpose is people. And by Alarm.com, keeping millions of homes and businesses safer and smarter every day. Alarm.com is redefining home and business security with smart features like voice control and customized smart alerts. Alarm.com unites your security, locks, doorbell camera, lights, video cameras, and thermostat into one smart system with one single app to control it all. Learn how to protect your most important investments at Alarm.com. It's not actually a law, that supply-demand thing, more like a strongly enforced principle of the market. What do you suppose happens, though, in a pandemic economy, huh? From American public media, this is Marketplace.
In Los Angeles, I'm Kai Rizdal. It is Thursday today, the 12th of November. Good as always to have you along, everybody. From the good people at the Department of Labor this morning came the latest indicator of the health of this economy. After four straight months of increases, consumer prices, inflation, right? It held steady in October. On the face of it, not so bad in an economy beaten up by this pandemic. But as so often happens with seemingly not so bad news, there is more to it. Those steady prices, even falling prices in some sectors, are telling the story of a recovery losing steam. And as Marketplace's Mitchell Hartman reports, it all comes down to supply and demand. We've seen this supply and demand push-pull on prices right through the pandemic. Remember back in the summer when COVID shut down food processing plants and there were meat shortages? Supply fell and meat prices went up. Now, consumer demand in the economy is weakening and holding prices down. With COVID surging, consumers don't want to go out and spend money. And they may not be able to, says economist Dan North at credit insurer Euler Hermes North America. Restrictions, they're already coming in some states. It's going to shut down significant parts of the economy like it did before, and it'll make consumption very difficult. Fear of more job and income losses is also keeping demand down, says Sam Stovall at CFRA Research. A lot of people are still very worried about overspending. Uh, If they do have a job, they're worried about being furloughed with the additional spike in COVID. We're running into the end of the year. We've got an income cliff coming up for a bunch of people. That's Brad McMillan at Commonwealth Financial Network. And the income cliff he's referring to is the expiration of federal pandemic unemployment benefits at the end of the year. That adds up to billions a week in payments to more than 13 million Americans. And that's not all that's set to run out. It's not just a matter of income. It's the prohibition of evictions, foreclosures. In other words, there's a lot of financial damage that isn't showing up on the radar right now, but will start to show up very shortly. Unless, McMillan says, Congress extends those payments and protections before they expire in December. I'm Mitchell Hartman for Marketplace. You just heard from Mitchell about the income cliff coming up at the end of the year, right? Still, though, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said again today there is not going to be another big coronavirus relief bill out of Congress, if it happens at all. It's going to be closer to what he was talking about before the election, something near $500 billion, a skinny package, if you will. But with unemployment still high and the virus on the rise, will that skinny bill help the people who need it most? No, it won't. Benga Adjalor is a senior economist at the Center for American Progress. He writes about this kind of thing. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Uh, As you just heard, uh, Senator McConnell said once again today, uh, he does not see the need for a large relief package for this economy. Um, What do you think? It is very surprising to hear that, given where we are in terms of the pandemic, but also given what happened earlier this year. If you think about what happened in March and April and the CARES Act and how that helped out the economy, we should want more of that, given the numbers. You have said uh, repeatedly, you said it on Twitter the other day, and and, uh, you've said it uh, in a piece uh, online uh, within the past week or so. Our economic policies are basically geared toward white men. If white men are doing fine, then we get the economic policy that white men need. That is correct. Because if you look at the numbers, you look at what happened in April when we had the peak of unemployment, 
General unemployment was at 14.7%. White men had an unemployment rate of 12.4%. That's when we saw the CARES Act. That's when we saw all the other things and PPP and a lot of uh, spending to help out this economy. Since then, the unemployment rate for white men has dropped down now to 5.8%. And so you can look at these policymakers say, oh, well, things are looking good. But if you look at it for other groups, so for example, black men are at 11.5%. So black men have a similar unemployment rate that white men had in April. And then you also even look at what's happening with women. Women last month, uh, 865,000 dropped out of the labor force. that They're not even counted in unemployment, and they only got half that back. But if you look only at white men with 5.8% unemployment rate, then you could say, oh, we only need a skinny bill. But white men are not the economy. Everybody's the economy, and we have to focus on that. Let me ask you one more thing, and and um, uh, and I, I guess it, it makes sense given the state of play right now. But you wrote the other day, um, as this pandemic has hit home, lawmakers cannot be counted on to respond to the magnitude of this crisis or any future economic crisis. That is fairly um, bleak that we can't count on, on Washington to, to fix this economy when it so desperately needs it. But that's the truth. We lost a lot of jobs. Unemployment peaked at almost 15 percent. And we put in three, four trillion dollars into the economy. And the thing is, it worked. And instead of putting more money back in, continuing these things like direct checks or expanded UI, which helped people lift, you know, set eight million people out of poverty, policymakers sat on their hands and let it expire. And all the way through the election, it didn't happen, shocking pretty much everybody. So, of course, you know, we can't, we can't expect policymakers to do that because in a position where they would have done it, where they should have done it, we didn't see it. So we can't trust them anymore. Well, so how worried are you then about what is likely to happen in January, assuming Republicans hold the Senate, right? And I, I get that I'm making some assumptions there, but President Biden will come in with a, a larger stimulus bill. It will pass the House. And then it will again be subject to Republicans in the Senate who will say, no, we don't need it. And more importantly, we have to start thinking about austerity because we're spending too much money. Then what happens in this recovery? What I think is going to happen is that we are going to end up with something close to a skinny bill. And then policymakers are going to wipe their hands and then say, "Okay, well, we're done. And we are not going to have the kind of recovery that's necessary to actually help this economy grow. And we're going to struggle again, and we're going to struggle throughout. And we and we saw this in the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a lot of money put in, and in 2011, we pulled back. One of the things that happened in 2011 is that white men's unemployment rate was lower than everybody else's. And so we pulled back. We even lost, I think it was half a percentage point of GDP growth throughout that period. Yeah. We have a long, slow recovery that's going to harm not just, you know, communities of color, but even think about rural communities. They're going to be struggling, too. And they've been struggling. And that's the big problem. Benga Adjalor uh, is a senior economist at the Center for American Progress. Thanks for your thoughts. I, I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. A skinny relief bill, more virus in more places. And Wall Street today said, nah. We'll have the details when we do the numbers.
Whatever the fate of another relief bill might be, as Benga Adjalor and I were just talking about, back early on in this thing, Congress and the White House weren't messing around. Trillions in spending, the PPP programs we've been reporting on, those $1,200 relief checks and extra unemployment benefits as well. Also, as part of the CARES Act, Congress said that people could take money out of their retirement accounts, up to $100,000 with no penalty. But as Marketplace's Samantha Fields reports, turns out not that many people have dipped into their retirement so far. Alyssa Wright had only been saving for retirement for about a year before the pandemic hit. And at 32, she already felt behind. Because I started saving so much later than I feel like a lot of people do. So the last thing she wanted to do was take money out of that account. But then in March, her husband lost his job as a music teacher. And she says... Living on one income has been kind of drastic for us. They had run through their savings by August and were having to make decisions like, Do I buy groceries or do I pay my car note? So she finally decided she just had to do it. Take all the money out of her 401k that she had saved. $10,000. Jeannie Thompson is with Fidelity, a marketplace underwriter, and she says dipping into retirement savings is a last resort for most people, even right now. Only about 4.5% of people with work-sponsored retirement accounts with Vanguard and Fidelity have done it since the pandemic began. Most people recognize that their 401k is their primary source of retirement income, and they're not going to tap into it unless they have to. Thompson says most people who have had to worked in hard-hit industries like manufacturing, retail, and healthcare. Alicia Manel of the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College says there's another reason relatively few people have taken money from their retirement accounts. The people who have 401k plans aren't the people who've lost their jobs. And so even though the CARES Act made it easy to take money out, um, most of these people are still employed and have no need to tap their 401k. The people who've been hit hardest by the pandemic, Black and Latinx workers, women and those who are low income, are the least likely to have a 401k to tap. I'm Samantha Fields for Marketplace. It's been years now, going on more than a decade, actually, that savings accounts just haven't paid much interest. And during the pandemic, yields have fallen even further. Bankrate.com says high-yield savings accounts were paying 2.5% interest last year. On average, that is. They are now paying less than 1% today. Even as low as those rates are, though, people in this pandemic economy are still stashing money away. Marketplace's Justin Ho has that one. Banks aren't paying much interest to savers because they can't charge much interest to borrowers. The Federal Reserve is keeping interest rates near zero, and mortgage rates are near record lows. We've had to drop our yields on savings rates significantly to adjust to the new normal. Peter Alden is the CEO of Bay State Savings Bank in Massachusetts. This year, the bank lowered rates by almost half a percent on average across its accounts. We brought down our money market rates, our savings account rates, CD rates, the same thing. We've had to cut those down as well. Even so, Alden says bank deposits have been rising this year. Greg McBride is chief financial analyst at Bankrate.com. He says when the pandemic started, people were worried about the economy and wanted to make sure their money was safe. 
People were worried more about the return of their money than the return on their money. And those deposits have continued to grow. They're now sitting at record highs. Economist Teresa Gilarducci at the New School in New York says today's savers are likely higher income households. People who kept their jobs during the pandemic and have fewer things to spend their money on. And they're saving money on not going on European vacations, going out to dinner or riding the, the train or taking their car in to work. Even though interest rates are low, Gilarducci says all those savings aren't likely to leave people's bank accounts anytime soon. She says what's more likely over time? That money will go to more foreign goods and services, and it will be socked away in financial accounts. And in the meantime, all those deposits are money that's not flowing into the American economy. I'm Justin Ho for Marketplace. Three words, people, for your business and economic news needs early in the morning. Marketplace Morning Report with David Brancaccio and the gang that gets out of bed too early. Check it out. Coming up. It was fun, but kind of like distracting because my sister would always come in the room and distract me. Yeah, siblings will do that to you. First, though, let's do the numbers. The Dow Industrial is down 317 today, 1%, 29,080. The NASDAQ down 76.6%, The S&P 500 down 35 points, 1%, 35 and 37 there. Some context on Justin's piece on interest rate and savings. Americans saved 14.3% of their personal disposable income in September. In September of last year, that rate just 7.3%. Did start to tick back up in March. Maybe another explanation for the weak demand that Mitchell was telling us about. Back in April, though, did hit more than a third of personal income, 33 and something percent. The effect of those $1,200 checks from the feds is left as an exercise for you, the listener, to ponder. Bond prices rose, yield on the 10-year treasury, down to 0.88%. You're listening to Marketplace. This Marketplace podcast is supported by UKG. To be a powerfully productive business, you need powerfully happy people. Two leaders in workforce management and HR have joined forces to become UKG, Ultimate Kronos Group. UKG creates comprehensive HR solutions designed to make employees happier and build more meaningful connections within your workforce. They've even done that for themselves, being recognized as one of the top places to work. And UKG's 12,000 employees help thousands of businesses build better cultures every day. When you're ready to make your people happier, UKG is ready to work for you. UKG, our purpose is people. This Marketplace podcast is supported by WeWork. As a business, you know today takes new ways of working. It takes new measures toward health and safety, flexible terms for where, when, and how you work, spaces designed with your purpose in mind. It takes the innovation of a WeWork office to take your business where you want it to be. Visit we.co slash future to learn more. This is Marketplace. I'm Kai Rizdal. We heard from Mitchell at the top of the program about inflation and consumer prices. The flip side of that, of course, is consumer spending, which is still happening, just in case you were wondering. But for a whole lot of reasons, it looks different, that spending does, than it used to. So we got back on the phone with some of our regulars who told us what they've been noticing when they go to the store and what they are shopping for. 
Hi, my name is Kaya Price-Dennis. I'm calling from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I have noticed that food prices have gone down and gas prices have gone down here in Pittsburgh. People are a tad bit happier because we are able to get out and do more things, but COVID is on the rise again in Allegheny County. Um, I'm preparing to go back to school in person this coming Monday, so we're trying to get back to normal, but we still have a part of the population who is pushing back with wearing masks. Other than that, we're hanging in here. Hi, this is Shudipto Chatterjee from the San Francisco Bay Area. So I have finally accepted that I have to work from home for a while. Also, I needed a better desk to be able to use my desktop machine and a laptop and a few other devices. The ones I did like were often out of stock or not available in the local store, and I had resorted to looking at customer reviews. Finally, I found this Living Spaces store in Houston, Texas, who had video appointments at their warehouse. A very helpful customer service rep gave us a virtual tour of all the desks in the warehouse, opened drawers for us, walked around and showed us a desk from different angles until my wife and I were satisfied and I got the perfect desk to work from home within a few days delivered. This is Ellen Murphy from Mission Hills, Kansas. I'm celebrating the transition from election to apple season by making a crisp consisting of several varieties and covered with a crunchy pecan topping. Apples are on sale, they're fresh and plentiful, and even though the pandemic and politics continue, and there won't be traditional family celebrations to look forward to in the coming months, there will be apples all winter. Hello, this is David in Denver, Colorado. Well, here in Denver, we've noticed that uh, meat is significantly more expensive than it used to be. Uh, We have a particular butcher that we go to, and the prices have gone up a lot, but we still go there to get our meat. Um, Bars and restaurants are much, much more expensive as well. We understand why. They don't have anywhere near as much business as they used to, so they need to raise their prices. We get that, but um, we are saving money by not going out as much, but uh, we are spending more money at the liquor store. Uh, yeah, that was Kaya Price Dennis in Pittsburgh, Sadipta Chatterjee in San Francisco, Ellen Murphy was in Mission Hills, Kansas, David Romer in Denver. Virtual school is hard enough for any family, right? For kids who are homeless or have parents who can't stay home with them during the day, it can be all but impossible. Baltimore has opened 15 student learning centers, about 1,000 students, K through 5th grade, who are struggling with remote learning so that they can log into their virtual classrooms in a school setting. As Marketplace's Amy Scott reports, with districts around the country looking to bring more kids back for in-person learning, this is one way that schools are trying to reach the most vulnerable kids safely. Walking into John Rura Elementary Middle School in southeast Baltimore, the first thing I notice after clearing the routine temperature check is how quiet it is. On a normal school day, there'd be around 850 students inside the massive brick building, reciting times tables and chatting in the hallways. Today? We have a total of 65 students 
Catherine Drayton Barber is an administrator for the Student Learning Center, now located at the school. Many of the kids at the center come from low-income immigrant families and have parents who are essential workers. Students who don't have the luxury of having access to internet, computer access, a parent who's in the home at all times. Here, they have Wi-Fi and laptops and a safe place to be from 8 to 4, where they can get breakfast and lunch and support. The classroom staff aren't teachers. They're district employees whose jobs got sidelined during the pandemic. Bus aides and hall monitors. Jessica Hankin is normally a coordinator for early childhood special ed programs. She'd been working from home for months when she got the call in late September to come help run the center. And I kept on thinking, well, I just don't know if city schools, which before COVID struggled sometimes to keep soap in bathrooms, would be able to keep us safe. There have been a couple COVID scares, but so far no positive cases, which Henkin says is significant given the surrounding zip code has the highest infection rate in the city. So I think it, it does speak volumes to the fact that people are taking it very seriously when they're here, students and staff alike. Inside the kindergarten classroom, students sit spaced apart with clear plastic shields surrounding their desks. They're all wearing masks. Three air purifiers run constantly. The kids are logged into their individual online classes with their teachers working remotely. Janelle Anderson helps keep the wiggly five- and six-year-olds on track as a proctor, a far cry from her regular job as a high school hall monitor. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> The total opposite of what I'm used to. At the moment, one student is doing a feelings check-in on her laptop, looking at pictures showing different emotions. Another has brought his Easter basket for virtual show-and-tell. Then Anderson takes a group of girls to use the bathroom, one at a time. It's just hard to keep them um, focused and doing their work. Vanessa, come out. Okay, okay. Go ahead in, sweetie. A lot of her job will sound familiar to anyone managing remote learning right now, just times 15. Sometimes the links won't work, or sometimes they'll work one day, then the next day they won't. Laptops dying. Earlier this week, all the learning centers had to send everyone home early when the Internet went out. When I visited, Christian Munoz Aguilar's fifth-grade class was learning about the election. To vote, you have to be 18 or um, higher. You have to be born here to be a president. Christian's mom works as a janitor, and when schools shut down in the spring, she still had to go to work. Christian had to help take care of his four siblings. It was fun, but kind of like distracting because my sister would always come in the room and distract me. Here, he can concentrate, and he's made some friends from other schools. There's lunch at big round tables and after-school activities. Again, Administrator Catherine Drayton-Barber. It's a taste of normalcy. It's a taste of, okay, I have my academic day, and I have my after-school program. Yep. And you can hear the laughter. So far, only about 1,000 students are getting this taste of normal out of more than 80,000 in the district. More will start up next week, though the city had to scale back its reopening plan amid rising infection rates. Administrators say if there's another shutdown, this time students here will be better prepared to keep learning at home. In Baltimore, I'm Amy Scott for Marketplace.
This final note on the way out today. The show's only a half an hour, right? So we got to pick and choose which story gets how much time. And we figured inflation and its discontents was our lead today. But I don't want to go without pointing out that today is Thursday, which means it is also first-time claims for unemployment benefits day. 709,000 people lost their jobs in the week ended Saturday and asked for help. That is lower, yes, than last week and generally trending lower over the past couple of months. Still triple or more what the weekly number was before the pandemic. Overall, should you be curious, 21 million people are getting some kind of government unemployment assistance right now. Again, the before the pandemic number, about a million and a half people. All right, we got to go, but not before you get your Thursday moment of economic context. And it's going to clang a little bit with that unemployment item I just did. Some cognitive dissonance coming. A report from a big investment firm today, Apollo Global, that was out this morning, said the total value of all the world's stock markets is now at an all-time high of $95 trillion. No, the stock market is not the economy, not even globally, but that seemingly ridiculous valuation is about a couple of things. Really, really low central bank interest rates worldwide, hopes about a vaccine sooner rather than later, And the top line of that K-shaped recovery, right? It looks really good at the corporate and upper income levels. Way less good below. Amir Bibawi, Siobhan Brett, John Buckley, Eve Epstein, John Gordon, Kat Green, Rick Carr, and Betsy Streisand are the Marketplace editing staff. I'm Kai Rizdal. We will see you tomorrow. This is APN. This Marketplace podcast is sponsored by Merrill. With personalized planning tools and insights, Merrill Edge Self-Directed offers timely investing ideas to help you find answers, like how are your investments doing? What is the market doing? Put investing within reach and get started at MerrillEdge.com slash within reach. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner, and Smith Incorporated, registered broker-dealer, member SIPC. You're listening to Business English Pod, the Business English podcast for professionals on the move. Hello, and welcome back to Business English Pod. My name's Edwin, and I'll be your host for today's lesson on scenario planning. Before we get started, a quick reminder that this lesson, along with hundreds of others, is available as a free download from the BEP website. Premium members can also access a PDF transcript and online quizzes for every lesson. If you'd like to take a free trial to preview some of these extra resources, just head over to www.businessenglishpod.com. How do we plan for a future that's so uncertain? On a global scale, we're faced with a pandemic, climate change, social unrest, and political instability. On a local level, your business could be dealing with another set of challenges. So how can we plan for what might happen in the future? One of the approaches that organizations take in uncertain times is scenario planning. In a nutshell, scenario planning involves discussing different possible future situations and planning for each possibility. This kind of planning typically starts with exploring the situation. Exploring the situation often involves a lot of speculation, 
as you discuss what might happen in the future. This helps you identify the key uncertainties you're contending with. Of course, circumstances differ from place to place, so you may find yourself explaining contextual differences when you plan for different scenarios. These discussions can be quite complex, so it's often a good idea to ask for a summary of the issues. One more very important aspect of scenario planning is using evidence to guide the discussion. In some cases, you will need to use this evidence to counter other people's optimism about the future. In today's dialogue, we'll listen to a scenario planning discussion in a large retail firm. Gwen is in a leadership position in the company's U.S. headquarters. She's talking with Natasha and Daniel, two executives based in another country. The company is faced with the enormous challenges that the COVID-19 pandemic presents, and in this discussion, they're exploring the entire situation. As you listen to the dialogue, try to answer the following questions. 1. At the start of the conversation, what government relief program does Natasha speculate about? 2. What does Daniel say is one of the biggest uncertainties they're facing? 3. What possible change does Daniel believe might happen, but Natasha doesn't? Yeah. I've been following that, too. Even so, it's getting pretty confusing, so before we get into any details, I think we need to take stock. Well, the challenge here is everything is in a state of flux. I mean, a big one is the rent relief program. There's a strong chance the government will scale that back. And there's rumors they might limit it to just small businesses. Seriously? I'm not sure what they expect from us sometimes. They talk about recovery and jobs and building back better or whatever, but then they hang us out to dry. I know, right? But we have had some breaks from most of the malls on rent and opening hours, so we haven't had to reduce our net store count. Yet. But more important is the whole furlough thing. Time's up on that really soon. So we've got some difficult decisions to make. No doubt. Staffing and wages is clearly one of the biggest issues we're facing. We're really trying to minimize the impact on our people, but there's a lot riding on what the government will do for Phase 2. Timeline on that? Nothing official. Well, yeah. That's a challenge, then. I guess we have to decide whether it's viable to bring them all back. As hard as it is to see people go. Well, we did release some. But that's not quite how things work. I mean, we opted into the furlough scheme from the start. Made total sense at the time. We had no idea how things would play out. But the deal is that we bring them all back. We're on the hook for four months minimum. Ah, I see. Right. So... Just trying to wrap my head around this. Can you give me a quick rundown of what we're waiting on? Nationally, we're hoping the government is supportive of wages and payroll. Plus, we're looking forward to announcements on rent relief and loans. Then that'll be followed by local measures on taxes. Deferrals, I mean. 
But that's not everything, is it? No. We've got some deferred taxes already, and loans. 10% forgivable. Possible they'll bump that to 20%. Sorry, Daniel, but don't count on it. They've been sending a strong signal there'll be no changes to the original plan. Maybe for the mom and pop stores, but not for us. Hmm, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. In any case, those are the things we're waiting on right now. There's also a lot of talk about going back into lockdown. Now let's go through the dialogue again and look at the language and techniques the group used in their discussion. Yeah, I've been following that too. Even so, it's getting pretty confusing, so before we get into any details, I think we need to take stock. Well, the challenge here is everything is in a state of flux. I mean, a big one is the rent relief program. There's a strong chance the government will scale that back. And there's rumors they might limit it to just small businesses. The whole point of this conversation, as Gwen says, is to take stock or assess the situation overall. This is an important exercise when things are in a period of change or a state of flux. The first major issue that Natasha identifies is the government's rent relief program. With these programs, many governments have supported businesses by helping them pay rent, which is usually one of the biggest costs for retailers. Natasha isn't certain what the government will do. Rather, she's speculating or talking about what they might do. She talks about a strong chance of reducing rent relief and mentions rumors or unofficial information. Speculating is just talking about what may or might happen and the chances of what's possible. Let's practice a few more examples of speculating using this language. From what I hear, Masons may pull back on their European operations. Well, it's possible prices will rise at the same rate as last year. If we spent more on staff, we might be in a good position to expand. There's a chance that in-store sales could drop this year. Let's get back to the dialogue, as Gwen expresses her frustration with the government. Seriously? I'm not sure what they expect from us sometimes. They talk about recovery and jobs and building back better or whatever, but then they hang us out to dry. I know, right? But we have had some breaks from most of the malls on rent and opening hours, so we haven't had to reduce our net store count. Yet. But more important is the whole furlough thing. Time's up on that really soon, so we've got some difficult decisions to make. There are certainly some challenges with fixed costs like rent when a business is closed or not operating at full capacity. But that's not the only issue they face. Natasha raises the topic of the furlough thing, which is a type of unpaid leave of absence. A worker who is furloughed doesn't work and doesn't get paid by the company, but they're still an employee 
and expect to come back at some point. Let's hear what Daniel says about the furlough scheme. No doubt. Staffing and wages is clearly one of the biggest issues we're facing. We're really trying to minimize the impact on our people, but there's a lot riding on what the government will do for Phase 2. Along with rent, staffing is a huge cost for many companies. But just as we heard with rent relief, the group isn't clear on what's going to happen with the furlough scheme. Daniel points out there's a lot riding on, or depending on, the government's decisions in this area. Of course, it's difficult to plan when so much is riding on what might happen. But the whole process of scenario planning is about identifying these key uncertainties, then planning for them as best you can. What are some other ways you can identify key uncertainties? Let's run through some more examples. Clearly, there are a lot of questions about consumer demand this year. One big issue we're facing is the coming change in the tax code. It's going to be difficult to plan with so much political change happening. There are a lot of unknowns around our relocation plans. What does Gwen think about the furlough situation? Let's listen. Timeline on that? Nothing official. Well, yeah. That's a challenge, then. I guess we have to decide whether it's viable to bring them all back, as hard as it is to see people go. Well, we did release some. But that's not quite how things work. Gwen believes they need to make decisions about whether it's viable or possible on a business level to bring back all the furloughed workers. But remember, they're talking about government support, and government support can vary from area to area. When Natasha says that's not quite how things work, she's talking about contextual differences. This is a common situation. Sometimes when we do scenario planning, we're working with people who aren't in our own area or country, and in these situations, we often have to explain what is different in our scenario. Let's practice some more ways of explaining contextual differences. That may be true where you are, but here the tax structure is very different. We're dealing with a much stronger economy overall than you are. The kind of messaging you're using won't connect with the people in our area. Well, unfortunately, our rental rates are much higher than that. We heard Natasha point out a contextual difference. Now let's listen as she explains it in more detail. I mean, we opted into the furlough scheme from the start. Made total sense at the time. We had no idea how things would play out. But the deal is that we bring them all back. We're on the hook for four months minimum. Natasha is explaining the basics of the furlough scheme, or program, in her area. Basically, if they furlough workers, they get government support, but they have to bring the employees back to work for at least four months. They can't just let them go 
or fire them, as Gwen suggested. Remember, the group is just exploring the overall situation here. They don't want to get into too much detail about each aspect of the situation. So let's hear what Gwen does next. Ah, I see, right. So, just trying to wrap my head around this. Can you give me a quick rundown of what we're waiting on? Instead of getting distracted by details, Gwen wants a summary, or as she calls it, a rundown of key uncertainties. Scenario planning can get pretty messy or confusing. In these discussions, it can be tempting to concentrate on one specific issue too much. Someone, often the person leading the exercise, needs to bring the discussion back up to an overview level. And that often means asking for a summary, as Gwen has done. What are some other ways of asking for a summary of a situation? Let's try some more examples. So tell me briefly what obstacles you're facing overall. Could you summarize the situation for me? Just give me a recap of the big issues you're dealing with. Without getting into too much detail, what's happening there? Now let's hear Daniel's summary. Nationally, we're hoping the government is supportive of wages and payroll. Plus, we're looking forward to announcements on rent relief and loans. Then that'll be followed by local measures on taxes. Deferrals, I mean. But that's not everything, is it? No. We've got some deferred taxes already, and loans. 10% forgivable. Possible they'll bump that to 20%. Besides rent and staffing costs, or payroll, which they've already discussed, Daniel mentions deferrals on taxes and loans. Tax deferral means the government will defer or delay the date on which taxes are due to be paid. Additionally, the government has provided loans that are partly forgivable. That is, part of the loan doesn't have to be paid back. In Daniel's summary, he mentions that it's possible the government will increase the forgivable portion of their loans from 10 to 20%. But Natasha isn't so sure. Sorry, Daniel, but don't count on it. They've been sending a strong signal there'll be no changes to the original plan. Maybe for the mom-and-pop stores, but not for us. Natasha warns Daniel not to count on or depend on the government increasing how much of their loans are forgivable. She appears to have evidence that there will be no change on this point. She's seen strong signals or clear indications from the government that this won't increase. Of course, scenario planning involves speculating and talking about what if. But you can't just hope with no reason for good outcomes. You need evidence to say that things are likely to move in one direction or another. In this conversation, Natasha feels it's necessary to show evidence to counter Daniel's optimism or confidence about the future. Hope is nice, but we need to base discussions of the future on evidence. Let's try some more ways of doing this.
Don't be so sure. The government just announced a tax increase. That would be nice, but our research shows people aren't planning to spend much this year. I'm sorry to tell you, but I've read that prices are going to keep dropping. Well, with these new import duties, things don't actually look too good for us. How does Daniel feel about Natasha's assessment of the loan program? Let's listen. Hmm, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. In any case, those are the things we're waiting on right now. There's also a lot of talk about going back into lockdown. Daniel calls Natasha's news a tough pill to swallow. A tough pill to swallow is any news that we find difficult to accept. But you have to. We take pills or medicine to heal ourselves. Those pills might be difficult to swallow, but they're important. In the same way, when we plan for the future, we need to be ready to face uncertainty and difficult issues. Now let's practice some of the language we learned in today's lesson. Imagine you are a manager in an online retail company. Your company is faced with a lot of uncertainty, so you're doing some scenario planning. You're talking with an executive from head office about the situation in your region. You'll hear a cue from the executive, then I'll give you a suggestion for what you can say in response. We'll guide you through each step in the practice and provide an example answer for each response. Ready? Let's give it a go. So, could you help me understand what is actually happening in your region? Start by saying you might continue to see a decrease in online sales. Answer. Well, we might continue to see a decrease in online sales. That's not good. But I understand you're working on some upgrades? Now agree and say that it's not clear when those upgrades can happen. Answer. Yes, but it's just not clear when those will happen. Really? It's been so long. Couldn't you find someone to do the work faster? Next, explain that your area is different because there aren't many companies that can do the work. Answer. Well, it's different here because not many companies can do the work. Ah, right. Well, maybe sales will bounce back anyway. Now say there's no sign of that happening anytime soon. Answer. I'm afraid there's no sign of that happening anytime soon. Now let's practice some of the vocabulary we've covered in this lesson. In a moment, you'll hear a series of sentences with a word replaced with a beep. 
Repeat each sentence, including the missing word. For example, if you hear, Let's schedule a meeting to take of the current situation. You can say, Let's schedule a meeting to take stock of the current situation. After each response, we'll provide the correct answer. Let's begin. I feel like our partners have hung us out to on this project. Answer. I feel like our partners have hung us out to dry on this project. I'm finding it difficult to wrap my around all the changes. Answer. I'm finding it difficult to wrap my head around all the changes. The government is sending strong that they will reduce taxes. Answer. The government is sending strong signals that they will reduce taxes. It looks like the central bank will interest rates by half a point. Answer. It looks like the central bank will bump interest rates by half a point. We've reached the end of this lesson, the first in our series on scenario planning. We've learned how to speculate, identify key uncertainties, and explain differences in context. We've also looked at how to ask for a summary and counter optimism with evidence. For more practice, premium members can access the online quizzes and PDF transcripts for this and other lessons on the BEP website. Not a member yet? Then head over to www.businessenglishpod.com and sign up for a free trial to preview some of the extra resources available to members. Thanks for listening and see you again soon. Listening to today's episode. Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play Store. Everybody, welcome to Girl Talk, Real Talk. I am your host, Lillian Perez, and I am here with the one and only lovely 
Alejandra Hernandez. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I think um, me and Ali got so caught up in our conversation. I literally uh, was like, hold that thought. I ran to go get my laptop yes. and started recording. And so we're not just now going back. And just I think this next episode that you guys all are about to hear goes in depth of just an extension to the last episode that I released about the church is being real quiet. Hashtag BLM Black Lives Matter. True, yeah. And we got to exercise our right to vote. What, May 30th for Coloradans to register to vote? So if you're 18, go ahead and go ahead and do that, you know? Sit down and do your absolute best on like researching every person. Even if you don't feel like you're one or the other and not everyone's full something, you know, we can be intertwined. There's being a grassroots activist is where it's at. You know, yeah. we got to have the mindset of globally thinking and take action in our community and our reach, which is not just like in person too, because, you know, we have family that don't have social media, our elders, and it still takes place at the dinner table or sitting, chilling at, on the couch. Um, but yeah, I am Ali Hernandez or Alejandra Hernandez. I am 21 years old. <laughs> and many anniversaries of being 21. Oh my gosh. Oh, and then I'm also a certified nursing assistant too. I am a college student attending Metropolitan State University of Denver. Shout out. Um, okay, educated Latina. Yes, first gen. Um, you know. Yes, don't like, I love... I love our campus being in the heart of the city. It's the hustle and bustle. It's the grind. It's real life. Y'all are sleeping on Metro. And the tuition is amazing. So Legit. And the health there is amazing. Diversity is huge. It was literally God's plan for me to be there. God's plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's your handle? Yes. What's your handle? Drop your handle. Ali, yes. drop the handle. You can find me on Instagram. It's Ali and my middle my first initial my last name is in the middle so it's a l h period i i i am also new to tiktok i haven't made any videos yet but coming soon to uh to iphone a iphone near, near you, you or android. android yeah for you but that's your business yes <laughs> well i hope you guys enjoy the rest of the podcast i like to reflect a lot and i like to write down a lot of things in my notebook and like i like to write and that's like truly where I'm whole and like complete surrender and just like I'll pray to God and whatever he needs me to come aware of like I just start writing that's like like usually after I'm done reading the bible or just in prayer or it's just what I like to do like just self-improvement and everything from like stationary to agendas it's just and that's what I love um but yeah I was reflecting the other day and just thinking about like how 2020 really is on some fu shit because <laughs> um we had like at the beginning the wild uh forest fires and like that was this year mm -hmm, i think so yeah i'm pretty positive and then there was something about like the killer hornets like how they were just killing people and, what and like and like there were just these new type of bees and People were getting stung by them and then dying or something like that. Just the other day, I got to fact check this too, but there like was an asteroid coming uh, on Daily Star. 
It said, asteroid taller than the Empire State Building, rocketing towards Earth at 11,200 miles per hour. And then this person tweeted the season finale of 2020. Jeez. Um, and then we're in this global pandemic of COVID-19. Yeah. Which I don't say that it's not real, obviously, but I do believe that there is a lack of integrity in the healthcare industry. Um, That's fair to say, for sure. Because, you know, if they, there's people that come in saying that they think they have it or that they have it, and they're immediately counted as the number towards saying yes that they do positive of COVID-19. You know what that reminds me of? Um, I got a message from a friend that I actually just met this year earlier and this was on March 15th and she shared it to me on Instagram and it was a screenshot of like a Facebook post. Mm -hmm. Australian wildfires the rings have back. Africa locust plague which I, yeah, don't, know, this I don't know much about that. That's World pandemics. Exactly. COVID-19 yeah. and then in 2 Corinthians 13 um, Second Corinthians, oh, it doesn't say the chapter on here, but verse 13, um, it says, Whenever I hold back the rain, or send locusts to eat up the crops, or send an epidemic on my people, mm -hmm. and then 14 continues, if they pray to me and repent and turn away from the evil they have been doing, then I will hear them in heaven, forgive, forgive their sins, and make their land prosperous again. Yeah. So, we all know that we worship our creator and not creation. And like, being children of God, believers, Christians, Catholics, or just in love, like you pray. And that's like your number one source of fighting. And then you're, how you arm yourself is like through scripture. And like, just sitting with God and giving him your undivided attention. Um, and then also putting action to that, raising awareness. It could be anything from protesting, anything from social media, anything from showing up, holding your family and friends accountable. Yep. Anything from racial slurs to gaslighting is a huge one. And like, also not brushing it off, but like showing that it isn't okay. Like acknowledging yeah. the fact that it's going on and not just being ignorant and just being like, oh, well, it doesn't directly affect me because I'm not black or it just doesn't directly directly affect me because I'm not I have papers but it's like really like I think that where that's where the division one I shouldn't say all of it but I feel like that's a lot of the division comes from it's like well we're so ignorant and I'm I could testify saying I'm guilty of it too where I don't think it was until now where I'm just actually like really being I think college and where I would actually be really be passionate about like things that are going on maybe it doesn't directly affect me but it's still like we're in this together Rick Pino He's a worship leader and he his thing was God is not a white American. And then he was like, look around you. This is how heaven's going to look like. There's not going to be one race. There's not going to be one ethnicity. There's not going to be one skin tone color. There's not going to be, it's like legitimately all of us. And then I started thinking because I remembered a conversation that I forgot who I was having it with. God is the creator of everything. He's a creator of every race, every ethnicity, every language, every... He's a creator of our universe. Like legit everything. So... He has to be able to relate and resonate with every single one of them in a special way, but in the in a way like like he is black, he is Latino, he is you know he's not when we get to heaven. I don't feel like God is gonna God is if God is not human. Mm -hmm. Jesus was human. Mm -hmm. God is a spiritual being. That's something that we can't. I, it's really hard to understand and grasp your mind around because it's like something so great and we're imperfect. 
And since we're all these dots and these spheres, it's like, how can an imperfect being understand a perfect being? But it's like, God is everything at the same time. And that's the, I don't know, it's just so difficult to explain. And it's just like, he's perfect and he's a creator of all things and a creator of all, all humans. Every ethnicity, every walk of life, when we get to heaven, he's not going to be like, oh yeah, like I am Indian. You know, it's just like, he created everyone and he's a creator of that being and he understands it. You know, just like Michael Todd was saying one time when he's like, you don't go, um, or the manufacturer gives instructions on how to use the product type of thing. What are you looking at? You look, you yeah. look deep in thought. So I'm trying to find this exact scripture where it was saying what we we have in common is our spirit. Yeah, one, we're in one spirit. Mm-hmm. I made a story on my Instagram. Like it's so beautiful when you're just spending time with God and like exactly what you hear from Him. I have been following a lot of like Christian believers and just um, in faith with God and like just resonating with the same message. How can the same person, a couple of miles away, not even in your house, get the same message? We're in one spirit. We're just building up the one body, which is everyone. We're brothers and sisters. God sees us with our spirit because we're one. We are one. We are one. There's only one love. There was, I was talking to my my cousin about how like different types of preachers, um, because we both listened to Pastor Michael Todd from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and you know different preachers have different styles and i was just telling her like i just really understand it when pastor michael todd preaches about it and have a grasp of like the meat yeah and um she said well you know we're we're under the same spirit just like you said we're one spirit and she's like why do you think that sometimes that um our churches from here in denver have the same message that pastor michael todd has the same mm-hmm. it's like god speaks to all of us and whatever we need to hear it's like boom here it is it's like it's one spirit like you said that's for yeah definitely well i love pastor michael todd yeah (laughs) just even like our trip too on how everything correlated with that and like that was our last trip before covid hit dude that's the only trip i've taken this year yeah i'm so glad it was it was that one it was empowering it definitely was like i felt so if y'all are on pastor michael todd transformation church he's humble or no, what is it? Yeah, humble, open, transparent. Uh-huh. That's his like motto, and yeah. he's uh, finding the lost and found, representing representing the lost and found. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's real. He's so funny. He has scripture, backs it up with scripture, um, and he doesn't really shun taboo like. Oh yeah, heck this no. is so this straight is real. up, and it's yeah. like this is life. And just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I need to shut it down and not talk about it. Mm-hmm. That's what, yeah. I think honestly, like when we came back from that trip, bro, like I just, I don't think I've ever felt so cool to be a Christian. <laughs> yeah. Like no, like legit. Yeah. Like going there and seeing all these different people from like California, yes. like Denver, Wyoming, like text like people were flying from detroit like new york like everywhere we and drove in a snowstorm from colorado on and my weekend. little car honestly i don't know how we made it because i honestly when we got in the car i was like yo there might be a possibility that we won't make it but you i said didn't. something y'all ready to die and i was like wait what there's a video and my eyes like went right up and i was like you know what i just felt Lily's so humor i felt so empowered 
coming back and I felt so like oh my gosh I just felt like God's presence and it's just like what I needed like just forget about who's around me nobody even knows anybody I'm not over here trying to impress people were not really trying to impress nobody mm -hmm. like it was I remember there was like a um, a family they were traveling together it was like there, there were young people on my left and they were like Indians and then on my right there was like the black community and then like it was us and we were Latinos and it was and then we had like Ethel and she's white and it was I was like I looked around and I was like this is what heaven's gonna look like bro. I was waiting for you to say that yes it just leaves me in awe like God is so good bro God is so good and it's just it reminds me of how great he is and my doubts that sometimes you know we're human we're human and, and it's normal to have doubts and then sometimes it gets in the way and i start believing my doubts more than what god really is and my logic you know it was such a beautiful experience and then um i remember we came back and, we, and the message that pastor michael todd delivered was like history in the making mm -hmm. his story in the making yeah and it's it was it's like it's us it's this generation it's what's going on right now like mm -hmm. And it reminded me, it's like I'm having, like I've been having a lot of doubts um, about going to go protest um, at the Capitol to go pray and and join like with a group of all other people. And I was like kind of nervous because I'm like, you know what? Like there's gonna be a lot of people who don't believe in God there, mm -hmm. and we're gonna take a step of courage and be like, well, this is how we fight for you. Yeah, this is how we fight our battles. Yeah, in um, our prayer closet and out here with you, out here in these streets, because we believe God's blood is covering us. We believe we're yeah. greater in numbers. Yeah, and I was like, I we will probably face like some discrimination towards our religion. Like if someone was like, "Screw your God!" Like that stuff is fake. Blah blah blah. Like that's nothing. But it's like, okay, cool. Like you could disagree with me but I know it's real and it's not and that's not what we're going to go for it's like to, to shove religion down people's throats or to you know but really be there for love peace encouragement empowerment and I remembered I was like well you know what like I'm, this is this is not even scratching the surface but like how Jesus felt when people would spit in his face and shut the door on him and tell him that he's nobody and you know and it was just that that thought came to my mind so then when Pastor Michael Todd um, had a another preacher. We just started talking about Pastor Michael Thumb, man. Yeah. Um, but he had another sermon of like, "You're the minister." Yep. And he declared you as a minister, and it's so true because every time we walk in, especially like religious organizations and churches, it's like, "Oh, like, are you baptized? Oh, if you're not baptized, you you can't be doing that. You can't be doing this. Don't pray for her." I've had a woman before tell me like, "Are you baptized?" So I was praying for my best friend. And it was like eighth grade, and I was like, "No, she was take your hands off of her." And I was like, "Okay," but you know, like I didn't know any better. Um, so I asked my mom about it. I was like, oh, because, you know, like, I didn't feel offended, but I was just kind of, like, curious, like, why did that happen, you know, type thing. But it's, like, even when we do go protest with the group of us that are, are going, like, if someone is to come up to us and be like, can you pray for me? I know not to, like, lay hands on them, like, on their head or anything, because that, that's just me. That's, like, my conviction. But, like, I'd be like, if you're comfortable enough, like, can you give me your hand and, like, hold hands and, like, pray, like touch their shoulder like you know i um know the process of doing how i can pray for them or how we could pray for them but it reminded me of when, when pastor michael todd was like you're the minister when you step in a room you are already declared a minister you don't need to be ordained and go yeah that's it's great not saying like you shouldn't go be ordained and shouldn't go take classes and stuff which is great but it's like don't step down from that authority position that god has granted you already as a child of god a child of christ as a leader mm -hmm. 
to like be like, oh, well, I'm not an ordained minister. Like someone's wants to take care of it, so therefore I'm not gonna do any action type of thing, you know? Yeah. And that just really reminded me, like now that we're gonna be prepared to, we're preparing to go protest and go pray at the Capitol. I think just like we just gotta check ourselves and understand that like our God is a, is a, a our Almighty, you know. Um, he's the one that gives us salvation. He's the one that gives us love and peace. Our little us being scared, undocumented or not, and being scared that like. I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, well, you're stupid for going, like, we're in the middle of a pandemic, or um, who are you going with? Like, people could just roll up on you, you know, like, what if they're following you? God says, do not be afraid, more than a hundred times in the Bible, um, holding on to him and understanding that he's with us, he's omnipresent, he's with you, with me, with them, with us, and we don't have anything to be afraid of. Yeah. I was um, reading the Bible, the daily Bible this morning, and it really, like, you know, like, when, like, it was just, like, perfect timing. Mm-hmm. It really was perfect timing, and um, and it, this scripture came up, and it was Psalms 23, 4, and, like, I really just want to put this on the poster that I'm taking to the <laughs> freaking protest, but it says, even when I walk through the darkest valley. That's my favorite verse. Bro. I'm not even joking. I'm I want to get that tattooed. I, like, just the verse on my body, not all the words, but, Yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to say that. <laughs> Dude, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. And then another another translation says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And it just, it gave me so much comfort because that's exactly what, not only like at the protest, like that's what you're doing, you know, in a sense, but the black community, they that's how they live every single every day. Single day. Just because of judgmental, just because of racism, not even judgmental, racism. The pigment of their skin and just like prejudgment, prejudice. There you go. And it's it, that just scripture like just resonated so much with what's going to happen, with what, with what we're preparing for. A lot of emotions right now, bro. A lot of emotions. <laughs> I truly feel like we're living the last days, dude. Like everything is hitting and this is not a coincidence don't you dare tell me this is a coincidence no, you know like, not just you directly but like other people and it's like no we talked about this we just said it's a it's ignorance if they think it's a coincidence there's a direct correlation of everything happening at once i feel like god is like y'all need to wake up and things are coming things always find its way to light and it definitely is everything yeah so let's go back on the remembering of where how far we've came in 2020 kobe died too kobe all right Pino. yeah i was talking to my friend jacob actually and he was like yeah that day my little brother told me that he, he thought he was messing around that kobe died and it's like no you're you're messing around like you're just playing why you got to play like that and they were just playing basketball mm-hmm. and then sure enough he checked his phone and that was that and not just Kobe, but his daughter, their whole team on that flight. Um, then there was the, impe- uh, the impeachment. Uh, I heard something about um, Hillary Clinton being arrested. This was three days ago. And it is June 6th, Saturday, or Sabbath for some that consider it. Um, Countless innocent lives have been taken, and I'm tired of 
like I can't even say I'm tired because I don't even know enough to how to my to brother understand. and sister feel. Um, but for these little fires to start up and then dissipate and then start up again and then dissipate again, we just need to keep that momentum going and um, spreading awareness, holding each other accountable and understanding like it's a bigger thing than bigger agenda than the racism like at the end of the day it's love versus hate um what else doubt versus joy um like so many parallels like uh division versus unity like and it's everything that like contradicts with the bible saying like i saw um evangelist Loami Diaz he's black and um, he said does my black life matter of course but my black soul matters more Matthew 10 28 I'm a citizen of heaven my allegiance allegiance is to an invisible kingdom and the family of faith I don't experience life through the prism of race because racism is not a skin issue it's a sin issue and it's so true i feel like everything correlates back to like it's just not right if that's not how god intended it to be that's not how it goes against who god is it goes against what god teaches it goes against what what the whole purpose of why god even ex exists like his, his this is his creation mm -hmm. and we're going against what the manufa what the manufacturer created it to be and it's not a skin issue it is a sin issue and like i think the root of all the problems it does goes back to that and then that just like really shook me because he is an evangelist of he's a christian god-fearing man who who is black which is in my community is really hard to find because it's a very like latino hispanic community based mm -hmm. but i thought that was that stood out to me i'm just sitting here thinking that some of my friends haven't liked like a post of mine um it's just now like i've i've seen like you know how you could see who like likes certain posts like it'll say it yeah. on instagram uh -huh. um but i have friends that are that have and withhold privilege but like if you have any sense of loving for me for them for us for we like no one can be silent why would you like if you want to protect your image image of what you don't want to lose followers like people that come in and out of your life are here for a season a reason or a lifetime and like who are you trying to impress like the only one we're here for is god and the amount of followers the amount of likes the amount of anything like that, that that's a materialistic thing and like it's not okay it's it's saying that you're a part of the problem you're a part of the problem yeah you are like yeah Jews only had 12 followers 12 disciples and even then they he was betrayed with a kiss by one of them yeah you're their best his best friend one of his best friends one of his homies one of the bros <laughs> yeah one of the bros um i have a black um friend and and we've been talking about this discussion a lot because I understand that I'm not black and I will never understand. I understand that I will never understand. Yeah. I could begin to imagine, but I don't fear walking around and seeing like a white 
person and thinking like is that a kkk member mm -hmm. is that a white supremacy or seeing a tattoo that they have or like that's not a fear that i that i hold and i can only imagine but um we keep we keep like to have this conversation ongoing you know with everything going on and he was just like i'm really finding out like who are my allies and who are not mm -hmm. and it's like show your support one way or another again that could look like so you could do the simplest thing of like where is raising awareness on social media to signing a petition to donating to protesting to cleaning up the vandalism to doing something do something you could pray about it but you have to move mm -hmm. you can't just pray and be like okay god you got it like you have to do your part as well mm -hmm. you know and um he was just telling me like there's just you know like you really see people's true colors and when things like this and it's like if that was me if if, if this if for whatever reason this was like a latino movement i don't know i would want that support from like my white friends yeah i like that's just i feel like that's just courtesy and common sense because if you really love that individual like you should be there to something that impacts them that they have no control over and like if they've told you your experience you know like even more so yeah and if you withhold that privilege your voice like you are literally is, part of the problem yeah your voice is more like it's so sad to even say that like uh, my mom doesn't even know i'm out here protesting she doesn't know about this podcast yet <laughs> um my family doesn't know i've been to the this will be my fourth day going and from me seeing like my brothers and sisters growing up and i've like lived over like lived all around denver and like it hurts me to see what they deal with and like for me to stay home like no i was waking up going to my shifts i'm a cna coming home tired and then like my friend hitting me up hey let's go you know what i'm gonna take that shot of coffee like i've did this i'm a college student too i'm sure you all too like let's go because like this is the only way change is gonna happen i'm not gonna be silent I'm gonna, and I was out there praying. Like when they say hands up, don't shoot, I was over here praising the Lord. No, like Legit. I'll show you praising Legit. the Lord, putting my prayers, my prayer hands together, uh, like bowing my head and praying for everyone around me, praying for people in leadership and authority that God softens their hearts and works through them and that God gains them into his heart for their salvation. That's all it's about. I'm, that's why I'm fighting. In the Lord's Prayer, it says, um, as it is, uh, wait, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're bringing that new earth, whether you like it or not. And that's why I was saying, like, if you're following me, if you're leaving, like, you're still, like, in welcome arms, I'll forgive you. But, like... I'm not gonna beg for you to stay either, but I will show you, I will reveal to you, like my testimony with God will get there. But like my biggest thing was like, I didn't care what anyone thought about me already. So that was easy. It's just, how do I say it with compassion? I'm already empathic and healing, I feel like as it is. Um, how I speak is through my writing, through my poetry. That's where it will and I connected through photography all forms of art and we empower one another and like i'm so grateful that she's doing this 
Like even Girl Talk Real Talk, her little tea thing. I got a post where I was like, sis serves her tea boiling or something like that. <laughs> so like God's divinely orchestrated our friendship. I prayed for her and I just found out last night she prayed for me <laughs> and to come along. And like, this is real. And I want to show people that like our God is a loving God. We're his children and he's our father. He wants to give us everything we ask for. My hardest thing is being obedient. And my word for this year, 2020, 2020 vision, it still is. Yes, it is. It's surrender. And the verse is, if you lay down your life for me, then you'll surely find his kingdom or him. It, there's a verse for, what is it? What Do you know exactly what the scripture is? Hold on. we got to find it real quick. I'm yeah. Sure you can. Yeah, I found it. Okay, so it's Matthew 10, 39. The one who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. I literally did not do college this spring semester. Like, I had a good job, and I even told my boss, like, now I'm coming back spring. She knew my situation, everything that was going on. And like, if everyone who knows me really knows that like, I'm always the one to take summer courses. I'm always the one to like, like I love learning. Yeah, like you're I, like yeah. you, yeah. that's your thing. School's yeah. your thing in yeah. high school. Yeah, and I wasn't planning on getting behind, but like, what is behind? Like you're on your own timeline as it is. But like, when God told me this, I like had to ask him, again like is this what you really want and then he's like listen to me like you might not know don't lean on your own understanding that's another verse too yeah um surrender and listen to me i was like okay like all right god here's my crazy faith like here we go and uh your friend remember when we went to the road trip Ethel said the same thing and i was like okay there we go that was crazy. in one spirit like we both had our classes registered and like unregistered all of them yeah the day before like how does that happen you know i'm shaking in my boots right now <laughs> i do not like talking <laughs> like i can sing in front of a lot of people it's just no public speaking is it's just us too yeah but like i don't know <laughs> sing a little Oh, I want to say another verse. It's Isaiah one seventeen, and the reason why I know it is because Lecrae, which is a Christian rapper, went to go protest, and he's black. And his sign said, "Justice is a right, not a privilege." Mm -hmm. But Isaiah, in in his tweet, he put Isaiah one seventeen: "Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's cause." And I just feel like it all has to go back with like find what works for you and do it. Don't just sit there and look pretty. Mm -hmm. My mom would always hate when, like, if we go, went to quinceañera or we went to a little party or get together, whatever it might be. My mom would always be like, "Don't just sit there and look pretty. Like, go help them. Go do something. Walk your talk. Yeah. Literally, walk your talk." <laughs> My word for twenty um, twenty was revival. Like I've been feeling it since September when I went to a. A youth camp in Texas mm -hmm. and I like turned off my phone I put on airplane mode and it was so crazy because I I I just needed to disconnect I had like left the church and like really just like rebelled and I just 
I always knew who God was, but I really just did not care. I was so careless. I did. I, I just wanted, I just wanted to have fun and be free and breathe free spirit. And I like stepped away from everything. And then when I went to this camp, I turned my phone off like the entire weekend. I was on airplane mode. Mm -hmm. And they did something that was really interesting to me. It was, um, can you preach in one minute? And um, the cool thing, especially in like the apostolic organization, they don't let women preach because that's like not a woman's place. And it's a lot of places too, not just. Yeah, 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 correct. And um, what was interesting to me is that the people that they had up there preaching, like under, can you preach in under one minute? Mm -hmm. One of them was a woman. And I was like, this is super dope. Like, whoa, we're actually making change out here. Like, you know, it's just one of the biggest things that really pisses me off. It's like, women face oppression. I don't care what a man says. Women face oppression, mm -hmm. not only in society, but at church too. And it, it makes me so upset because I'm like, okay, first of all, I don't know. Anyway, that's another discussion for a different day. But yeah, my point is they had a woman up there preaching for a minute. And I was like, oh my, I got really excited. I told my cousin, I was like, dude, that's dope. Like what? And then uh, I was like, I bet you like they planned this, you know, they had like, a month to prepare or whatever and then uh, whatever so then I, I started thinking I was like if I had the opportunity what would I say and then I thought about a poem that I had written um, a year before that um, I was in the middle of service and uh, I was sitting down at my church and God was like these words just came to me and I was like oh I need to write this down when I get home I need to write this down and it got to the point where like I was like I can't wait anymore like I need to write it now and I literally got up in the middle of the preaching and I had to I had to leave um, the sanctuary and go find paper somewhere and a pen and like I just went by myself and I started writing and writing and writing and like everything just flowed it came to me and I was like in tears and I was in cry I was crying because like these words resonated so much and I was just like praying and and, and like in meditation with God and it's just like it it was such a beautiful feeling by the time I was done like church was over and some one of my leaders walked in and then she was like hey like what are you doing and i was like all crying my eyes are all freaking swollen and my mascara is everywhere and i like have this paper in front of me god wrecks us i know and then i was like hey like she's one of my leaders mm -hmm. and i was like hey can i can you read this and she's like yeah and so she read it and then i was like i want you to tell me your initial what was your initial thought she goes it's honest and then that's exactly how I felt when writing it and that's what it was like confirmation because she's a God-fearing woman and I trust her I trust her um, um, input. her, her input mm -hmm. and it was just beautiful so went so the next day for this um, no it was the third day for this youth camp in Texas so hot I do not like Texas bro it's disgusting it's so sticky and um, at least you'll never get wrinkles. At least you'll never get wrinkles. <laughs> the moisture in the air, Literally. the humidity. So one of the leaders that was like in charge of this entire camp, I forgot his name, but I truly forgot he forgot about me because you know I had left so long. And this was actually not even like my own church yeah. organization. It was like a similar one who I knew some people, but I didn't like. I had already gone to a different organization. Yeah. Um. And so, or this was an apostolic church, and I go to the apostolic assembly, or I am a part of them, or have been, I should say. Um, 
so I was just with them. It's literally the same doctrine, whatever. Anyway, so um, he came up to me. He's like, hey, how are you doing? And I was like, good. Like, how are you? Like, I don't even think you remember me. He's like, yeah, sister. Like, hey, um, do you know those one-minute preachings? I wanted to ask if you would be interested in doing one today. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. And he's just like, yeah, like, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? We were here yesterday. I was like, yeah. And I was like, I thought you guys had, like, this. I, I, thought, I thought y'all had this, like, months, like, planned in months in advance. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, no, we literally just asked them on the spot if they accept, they accept. If not, then they don't. Mm-hmm. And I look at my cousin, and she goes, do it. And I was like, what the hell am I going to say? And then it reminded me of, like, what, what, what I had thought yesterday. I was like, God, is this you or is this me? Am I tripping? What's going on here? And when I went up there, um, oh, I was like, I didn't bring my journal and my phone was on airplane mode. So I had to turn on my phone on airplane mode. Hopefully, if I could have found my that piece of poetry that I had written, I was like, I'm hoping that I could um, find it so I could actually speak on it. Mm-hmm. And I did. I ended up finding it. It was in like an app that I used to translate to transcribe as I'm speaking and, and like I emailed it to myself. So I found it. I was like, and it wasn't even edited. So there was like a whole bunch of typos and stuff. And I was like, Nimola, like, let's go with it. Let's roll. Right. And um, I went up there and I... And I said it, and I actually want to go grab it actually right now, just to, just to so I can say it right now. Okay. If I find it, let's see. It's the paper that I wrote that like I don't remember if I dated it, but I don't. I like I wrote this in. It had to be 2018. Okay. And I didn't share it with anyone until that day, which was September in 2019. Mm-hmm. Or August, I think it was. I don't remember something like that. Right here. This is a heavy subject because no one talks about it in public. We Christians like to talk about what you should and you shouldn't do, and I know it could be redundant. You see us with our heels and ties dressing up for the seventh day we call Sabbath. The truth is no one's perfect, but why all of a sudden do you forget that when you see your brother or sister struggling? We're quick to call each other's faults and label one another as hypocrites, but that's what the enemy wants us to believe because he knows our guilt and shame will dig us in a deeper pit. And instead of asking for help, we try to keep it all in. I say this because just like everyone else, I'm struggling with some difficulties as you are listening to me speak. I started to ride on the edge and my faith began to leak. My faith got called out by some friends and reminisced on what they said. And I got angry because they were doing the same thing, but they were a PK. But God quickly reminded me that's not what we're called to do. It is our duty to love and pick each other up because God said you are not through. I was at work one day and let me paint a clear picture. It's a a lobby, a hotel lobby and we're surrounded by all these windows. We saw all sorts of people from walks of all different life. Across the downtown street was a man. He was obviously on some type of drugs, and by the look of his walk, he he was fairly sort of drunk. My colleague started to laugh as we observed through the glass, mocking his imbalance, but I just stood there in silence. I couldn't help but think how many people have said that about my own dad. Our loved ones struggle with these problems, and the thought of it always makes me sad. I guess the message of what I'm trying to portray is that we fall short of the glory of God, and we fail him every day. It could be a lie. It could be a murder. It doesn't matter. It's a disorder. We're so quick to kick people while they're down, but when it comes to the baggage that we carry, we don't even make a sound. Did you forget we are all human? 
But let me guess, you weren't listening in the sermon. You were too busy focusing on the appearance. You forgot to ask how they're doing. Wow. Yeah, your girl definitely went over a minute. <laughs> but after that, and then going to Tulsa, I just felt like this revival. So when like COVID hit and this pandemic hit and anxiety and fear and overwhelming and stress and everybody's unemployed and people are dying just because of the color of the skin, the Black Lives Matter movement, everything hit, I was like, yo, Kanye released the album called Jesus is King. King. The yes. fact that Kanye, do you know? Oh my gosh. I love it. <laughs> <I'm like>, <laughs> If y'all sleeping on that, you better listen to it, right? Yeah, better get on. But I recommend Hands On. Oh, Hands On is a beautiful one. I was like, God, you're you're a genius because I was watching an interview on Kanye because a lot of Christians are talking a lot of mad stuff about like this is fake, this is not real, and people should be very careful careful in that. Like mm-hmm. even when being at church and someone who was like in the holy spirit Mm -hmm. and i would hear my peers when i was little Mm -hmm. or younger um i would hear my peers like oh look at her start making fun of that or whatever or start like being like oh she's faking it whatever she's just trying to impress my mom would always correct me like you better never ever say that because if you're if they're not and they're actually being for real you will be you will be called for on god will call you upon that yeah for real and so i never mess with that but there was a lot of controversy when Kirk Franklin, the gospel artist, started to minister to Kanye West. And a lot of Christians mm-hmm. were about, like... Turning the cheek, like, bringing up everything. Talking about, like, how can you call yourself a Christian and surround yourself with worldly people like that? And, this, and I was like, I'm sorry, who did God talk to? The sinners and the protest, or, and the prostitutes? Yeah. Who did he sit with? What did, did he do he, on Sabbath? What is the entire yeah. Bible about? To save you and me? And so, anyway, it was very controversial because, you know, we just didn't know. And then when Kanye released his album, Jesus is King, I watched an interview because I was like, okay, I need to know if this is legit, mm-hmm. like for real, for real this time, because yeah. it, it's been like been mentioned various times, but was this, is this for real, for real? Yeah. And the fact that like those songs are anointed, you'll have like, what is a Sunday service? Like yeah. the gospel, the gospel choir that from Kanye West, his gospel choir, like bro, anointed. Anyway, so I started in, watching these interviews and I did my research. I was like, yo, this is legit. Mm-hmm. And then it like clicked. I was like, God, everybody knew how Kanye West was. Mm-hmm. There is no way somebody changes like that just because they d- wake up different one day. There is no way. And it took years of process because the first time, I think the first early signs of when Kirk Franklin started to work with Kanye was in his Paul Pablo something album. I don't know. Yeah, what it's yeah. Called. I actually have it right here The Life of Pablo. And another one you guys should check out. Ultralight Beam and Father Stretch My Hands. Yeah, well. and when was there, when was that released? 2016? Yeah. And then we're in 2020. That's four years later. So, yes, it was a process. And, like, he was talking about in his one of his interviews of, like, he used to go on the Grammy on the red carpet with, like, a bottle of Hennessy and all this stuff and, like, pornography. And, like, he even he made a comment and, like, kind of like a joke, but he made a comment. And he was just like, I have my daughter trying to one-up Rihanna on her wardrobe at the Grammys or the red carpet. Like, having my daughter wear a crop top, or I don't know what he was saying, but, it, like, truly the change. And it, it just clicked. I was like, God, one of the most – it says before the Messiah comes, every – ear shall hear and every well every tongue will confess Mm -hmm. but everybody will have a chance to to know who jesus is they will every country every ethnicity every race every four corners of this world 
I'm not a flat earth person, but the Bible does say four corners of this world, so that's kind of contradicting. That's a different topic <laughs> for a different day. But um, everybody will have a chance to hear who Jesus is, and they have the beauty of making a decision to follow him or not. Mm-hmm. And once every ear hears, that's when the Messiah will come back. Mm-hmm. And some other, my friend was like, yeah, I had a, uh, one of the preachers or someone said that there's only like 16 countries left. That's not a lot of time. And I was like, oh my goodness, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of scary, but kind of exciting, but I'm kind of scared. But I remembered, I was like, God, you're a freaking genius. You know how many people know who Kanye West is in the secular world? Sec- secular world? Everybody knows who Kanye is because Kanye was so ignorant. Kanye, people would be like, I love myself like Kanye loves Kanye or like, I love you like Kanye loves Kanye, you know, because this boy was so full of himself. Like there was a point where he even said it in his interview, like he's like, I thought I was a God calling myself Jesus and all of this. Mm-hmm. Like there is nobody, there is nothing and no one who can make that change besides Jesus Christ, like in someone that change in the lifestyle mentality, like total one, 180, total 180. And then I began to think, I was like, this has to, this is God straight up. And then I began to think, I was like, wow, God, you're a genius because you know how many people know who Kim Kardashian is? Yeah, that's why I hopped on that. I was like, wow. And like Lord, everybody, Lord. everybody knows who Con- or the Kardashians are. Keep me up with the Kardashians. Like you can mention Kardashian and people know who you're talking about. So I was like, God, you put one, two of the most influential people together as a couple. Mm-hmm. And you were working on Kanye before. You knew this. I was like, man, you're smart. You are smart. My, I heard, I'm not sure if this is Yanni and fact check me, but I heard, I had a conversation with one of my, my line sisters. She's like, yeah, did you know that one in every eight person in, in the freaking globe follows Kim Kardashian on Instagram? And I was like, are you serious? So then I was like, God, you are a genius. Because if every person needs to hear your gospel and your name and making that decision before coming to, before you come back to this earth to reclaim it, because we're not of this world, Mm-mm. every every ear shall hear who you are. And using Kanye and Kim, like Kanye is already like, I feel like God is already like doing great on Kanye. Like I feel he totally switched. And now he's just like ministering to his family and to Kim and to the Kardashians. And I'm like, everybody knows who the Kardashians are. I'm like, wow, God is really using Kanye to minister to everybody else. But little do they know, it's like, everybody knows who those two people are as individuals in pop culture and society in this world. And when Kanye released an album saying Jesus is king, and in his interview, he was talking about how he was, he had asked like the Christians of like, what should I name this album? Mm -hmm. And then he was like, I'm thinking of naming it Jesus is king. And the Christians were like, that's too straightforward, bro. You're going to lose a lot of followers and listeners. And Kanye was like, that's the whole point of this entire album. It's not to please other people. Jesus is king. And he named it Jesus is king. And he got a lot of hate. Mm -hmm. And, um, I even had like secular friends, even some of my sorority sisters were like, I don't like his album. And I'm like, and it makes me so upset. I just want to go off right then and there. But I was like, you know what? You just don't have the understanding that I do as a revelation. So therefore I can expect you to understand at the level that I'm at. Mm-hmm. In that sense of like knowing who God is, not knowing the religious God of like follow these rules and you'll be perfect and you'll go to heaven. But like, there's a verse where it says, you know, follow the kingdom and all these will be added into you. Yeah. Like, he says, come as you are. He's already accepting. He's just asking you to buy yes. in your heart. Yes. Yes. And that's why people do mix it up. But people change. People change, rearrange. As uh, Jesus Drizzy Drake says, like, no, but this revival, bro, it's real. And I think it hit. It's 
kidding. Yeah, you did a story about that on your Instagram too. And that was like the first 2021 that I actually believed that there was going to be something, something big coming. I told you that. We talked about this. And I was like, you know what? Like, there's no reason to feel like defeated. Yeah. God's not done yet. This isn't over. This is this is just the beginning. Like in order to heal the wound, you first have to address it. Yep. Expose it. it. You have to expose it. Expose the darkness, the shadows. Come and use your light. Shine your light. Don't dim it. Why are you dimming it? They want you to do that. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Yes. This Marketplace podcast is supported by UKG. To be a powerfully productive business, you need powerfully happy people. Two leaders in workforce management and HR have joined forces to become UKG, Ultimate Kronos Group. With comprehensive HR solutions, they'll help you create more meaningful connections within your workforce that will make your people smile. UKG, our purpose is people. And by Alarm.com, keeping millions of homes and businesses safer and smarter every day. Alarm.com is redefining home and business security with smart features like voice control and customized smart alerts. Alarm.com unites your security, locks, doorbell camera, lights, video cameras, and thermostat into one smart system with one single app to control it all. Learn how to protect your most important investments at Alarm.com. It's not actually a law, that supply-demand thing, more like a strongly enforced principle of the market. What do you suppose happens, though, in a pandemic economy, huh? From American public media, this is Marketplace. In Los Angeles, I'm Kai Rizdal. It is Thursday, today, the 12th of November. Good as always to have you along, everybody. From the good people at the Department of Labor this morning came the latest indicator of the health of this economy. After four straight months of increases, consumer prices, inflation, right, it held steady in October. On the face of it, not so bad in an economy beaten up by this pandemic. But as so often happens with seemingly not so bad news, there is more to it. Those steady prices, even falling prices in some sectors, are telling the story of a recovery losing steam. And as Marketplace's Mitchell Hartman reports, it all comes down to supply and demand. We've seen this supply and demand push-pull on prices right through the pandemic. Remember back in the summer when COVID shut down food processing plants and there were meat shortages? Supply fell and meat prices went up. Now, consumer demand in the economy is weakening and holding prices down. With COVID surging, consumers don't want to go out and spend money. And they may not be able to, says economist Dan North at credit insurer Euler Hermes North America. Restrictions are already coming in some states. It's going to shut down significant parts of the economy like it did before, and it'll make consumption very difficult. Fear of more job and income losses is also keeping demand down, says Sam Stovall at CFRA Research. A lot of people are still very worried about 
overspending. Uh, if they do have a job, they're worried about being furloughed with the additional spike in COVID. We're running into the end of the year. We've got an income cliff coming up for a bunch of people. That's Brad McMillan at Commonwealth Financial Network. And the income cliff he's referring to is the expiration of federal pandemic unemployment benefits at the end of the year. That adds up to billions a week in payments to more than 13 million Americans. And that's not all that's set to run out. It's not just a matter of income. It's the prohibition of evictions, foreclosures. In other words, there's a lot of financial damage that isn't showing up on the radar right now, but will start to show up very shortly. Unless, McMillan says, Congress extends those payments and protections before they expire in December. I'm Mitchell Hartman for Marketplace. You just heard from Mitchell about the income cliff coming up at the end of the year, right? Still, though, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said again today there is not going to be another big coronavirus relief bill out of Congress, if it happens at all. It's going to be closer to what he was talking about before the election, something near $500 billion, a skinny package, if you will. But with unemployment still high and the virus on the rise, will that skinny bill help the people who need it most? No. It won't. Benga Agilor is a senior economist at the Center for American Progress. He writes about this kind of thing. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Uh, As you just heard, uh, Senator McConnell said once again today, uh, he does not see the need for a large relief package for this economy. Um, What do you think? It is very surprising to hear that, given where we are in terms of the pandemic, but also given what happened earlier this year. If you think about what happened in March and April and the CARES Act and how that helped out the economy, we should want more of that given the numbers. You have said uh, repeatedly, you said it on Twitter the other day and and, uh, you've said it uh, in a piece uh, online uh, within the past week or so. Our economic policies are basically geared toward white men. If white men are doing fine, then we get the economic policy that white men need. That is correct, because if you look at the numbers, you look at what happened in April when we had the peak of unemployment. General unemployment was at 14.7 percent. White men had an unemployment rate of 12.4 percent. That's when we saw the CARES Act. That's when we saw all the other things and PPP and a lot of uh, spending to help out this economy. Since then, the unemployment rate for white men has dropped down now to 5.8 percent. And so you can look at these policymakers say, oh, well, things are looking good. But if you look at it for other groups, so, for example, black men are at 11.5 percent. So black men have a similar unemployment rate that white men had in April. And then you also even look at what's happening with women. Women last month, uh, 865,000 dropped out of the labor force. that They're not even counted in unemployment and they only got half that back. But if you look only at white men with 5.8 percent unemployment rate, then you could say, oh, we only need a skinny bill. But white men are not the economy. Everybody's the economy. And we have to focus on that. Let me ask you one more thing, and and um, uh, and I, I guess it, it makes sense given the state of play right now. But you wrote the other day, um, as this pandemic has hit home, lawmakers cannot be counted on to respond to the magnitude of this crisis or any future economic crisis. That is fairly um, bleak that we can't count on, on Washington to, to fix this economy when it so desperately needs it. But that's the truth. We lost a lot of jobs. Unemployment peaked at almost 15 percent. And we put in three, four trillion dollars into the economy. And the thing is, it worked. And instead of putting more money back in, continuing these things like direct checks or expanded UI, 
which helped people lift, you know, said 8 million people out of poverty, policymakers sat on their hands and let it expire. And all the way through the election, it didn't happen, shocking pretty much everybody. So, of course, you know, we can't can't expect policymakers to do that because in a position where they would have done it, where they should have done it, we didn't see it. So we can't trust them anymore. Well, so how worried are you then about what is likely to happen in January, assuming Republicans hold the Senate, right? And I, I get that I'm making some assumptions there, but President Biden will come in with a, a larger stimulus bill. It will pass the House, and then it will again be subject to Republicans in the Senate who will say, no, we don't need it. And more importantly, we have to start thinking about austerity because we're spending too much money. Then what happens in this recovery? What I think is going to happen is that we are going to end up with something close to a skinny bill and then policymakers are going to wipe their hands and then say, "Okay, well, we're done and we are not going to have the kind of recovery that's necessary to actually help this economy grow. And we're going to struggle again and we're going to struggle throughout. And and we saw this in the Great Recession. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a lot of money put in and in 2011, we pulled back. One of the things that happened in 2011 is that white men's unemployment rate was lower than everybody else's. And so we pulled back. We even lost, I think it was half a percentage point of GDP growth throughout that period. Yeah. We're going to have a long, slow recovery that's going to harm not just, you know, communities of color, but even think about rural communities. They're going to be struggling, too. And they've been struggling. And that's the big problem. Benga Adjalor uh, is a senior economist at the Center for American Progress. Thanks for your thoughts. I, I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. A skinny relief bill, more virus in more places, and Wall Street today said, nah. We'll have the details when we do the numbers. Whatever the fate of another relief bill might be, as Benga Adjalor and I were just talking about, back early on in this thing, Congress and the White House weren't messing around. Trillions in spending, the PPP programs we've been reporting on, those $1,200 relief checks and extra unemployment benefits as well. Also, as part of the CARES Act, Congress said that people could take money out of their retirement accounts, up to $100,000 with no penalty. But as Marketplace's Samantha Fields reports, turns out not that many people have dipped into their retirement so far. Alyssa Wright had only been saving for retirement for about a year before the pandemic hit. And at 32, she already felt behind. Because I started saving so much later than I feel like a lot of people do. So the last thing she wanted to do was take money out of that account. But then in March, her husband lost his job as a music teacher. And she says... Living on one income has been kind of drastic for us. They had run through their savings by August and were having to make decisions like, Do I buy groceries or do I pay my car note? So she finally decided she just had to do it. Take all the money out of her 401k that she had saved. $10,000. Jeannie Thompson is with Fidelity, a marketplace underwriter. And she says dipping into retirement savings is a last resort for most people, even right now. Only about 4.5% of people with work-sponsored retirement accounts with Vanguard and Fidelity have done it since the pandemic began. 
Most people recognize that their 401k is their primary source of retirement income, and they're not going to tap into it unless they have to. Thompson says most people who have had to worked in hard-hit industries like manufacturing, retail, and healthcare. Alicia Manel of the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College says there's another reason relatively few people have taken money from their retirement accounts. The people who have 401k plans aren't the people who've lost their jobs. And so even though the CARES Act made it easy to take money out, um, most of these people are still employed and have no need to tap their 401k. The people who've been hit hardest by the pandemic, Black and Latinx workers, women and those who are low income, are the least likely to have a 401k to tap. I'm Samantha Fields for Marketplace. It's been years now, going on more than a decade, actually, that savings accounts just haven't paid much interest. And during the pandemic, yields have fallen even further. Bankrate.com says high-yield savings accounts were paying 2.5% interest last year. On average, that is. They are now paying less than 1% today. Even as low as those rates are, though, people in this pandemic economy are still stashing money away. Marketplace's Justin Ho has that one. Banks aren't paying much interest to savers because they can't charge much interest to borrowers. The Federal Reserve is keeping interest rates near zero and mortgage rates are near record lows. We've had to drop our yields on savings rates significantly to adjust to the new normal. Peter Alden is the CEO of Bay State Savings Bank in Massachusetts. This year, the bank lowered rates by almost half a percent on average across its accounts. We brought down our money market rates, our savings account rates, CD rates, same thing. We've had to cut those down as well. Even so, Alden says bank deposits have been rising this year. Greg McBride is chief financial analyst at Bankrate.com. He says when the pandemic started, people were worried about the economy and wanted to make sure their money was safe. People were worried more about the return of their money than the return on their money. And those deposits have continued to grow. They're now sitting at record highs. Economist Teresa Gilarducci at the New School in New York says today's savers are likely higher income households, people who kept their jobs during the pandemic and have fewer things to spend their money on. And they're saving money on not going on European vacations, going out to dinner or riding the the train or taking their car in to work. Even though interest rates are low, Gilarducci says all those savings aren't likely to leave people's bank accounts anytime soon. She says what's more likely over time? That money will go to more foreign goods and services, and it will be socked away in financial accounts. And in the meantime, all those deposits are money that's not flowing into the American economy. I'm Justin Ho for Marketplace. Three words, people, for your business and economic news needs early in the morning. Marketplace Morning Report with David Brancaccio and the gang that gets out of bed too early. Check it out. Coming up. It was fun, but kind of like distracting because my sister would always come in the room and distract me. Yeah, siblings will do that to you. First, though, 
Let's do the numbers. The Dow Industrial is down 317 today, 1%, 29,080. The NASDAQ down 76 points, 6 tenths percent, 11,709. The S&P 500 down 35 points, 1%, 35 and 37 there. Some context on Justin's piece on interest rate and savings. Americans saved 14.3% of their personal disposable income in September. In September of last year, that rate just 7.3%. Did start to tick back up in March. Maybe another explanation for the weak demand that Mitchell was telling us about. Back in April, though, did hit more than a third of personal income, 33 and something percent. The effect of those $1,200 checks from the feds is left as an exercise for you, the listener, to ponder. Bond prices rose, yield on the 10-year treasury, down to 0.88%. You're listening to Marketplace. This Marketplace podcast is supported by UKG. To be a powerfully productive business, you need powerfully happy people. Two leaders in workforce management and HR have joined forces to become UKG, Ultimate Kronos Group. UKG creates comprehensive HR solutions designed to make employees happier and build more meaningful connections within your workforce. They've even done that for themselves, being recognized as one of the top places to work. And UKG's 12,000 employees help thousands of businesses build better cultures every day. When you're ready to make your people happier, UKG is ready to work for you. UKG, our purpose is people. This Marketplace podcast is supported by WeWork. As a business, you know today takes new ways of working. It takes new measures toward health and safety, flexible terms for where, when, and how you work, spaces designed with your purpose in mind. It takes the innovation of a WeWork office to take your business where you want it to be. Visit we.co slash future to learn more. This is Marketplace. I'm Kai Rizdal. We heard from Mitchell at the top of the program about inflation and consumer prices. The flip side of that, of course, is consumer spending, which is still happening, just in case you were wondering. But for a whole lot of reasons, it looks different, that spending does, than it used to. So we got back on the phone with some of our regulars who told us what they've been noticing when they go to the store and what they are shopping for. Hi, my name is Kaya Price-Dennis. I'm calling from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I have noticed that food prices have gone down and gas prices have gone down here in Pittsburgh. People are a tad bit happier because we are able to get out and do more things. But COVID is on the rise again in Allegheny County. Um, I'm preparing to go back to school in person this coming Monday. So we're trying to get back to normal, but we still have a part of the population who is pushing back with wearing masks. Other than that, we're hanging in here. Hi, this is Shudipto Chatterjee from the San Francisco Bay Area. So I have finally accepted that I have to work from home for a while. Also, I needed a better desk to be able to use my desktop machine and a laptop and a few other devices. The ones I did like were often out of stock or not available in the local store, and I had resorted to looking at customer reviews. Finally, I found this Living Spaces store in Houston, Texas, who had video appointments at their warehouse. A very helpful customer service rep gave us a virtual tour of all the desks in the warehouse, opened drawers for us, walked around and showed us a desk from different angles until my wife and I were satisfied and I got the perfect desk to work from home within a few days delivered. This is Ellen Murphy from Mission Hills, Kansas. I'm celebrating the transition from election to apple season, 
by making a crisp consisting of several varieties and covered with a crunchy pecan topping. Apples are on sale, they're fresh and plentiful, and even though the pandemic and politics continue, and there won't be traditional family celebrations to look forward to in the coming months, there will be apples all winter. Hello, this is David in Denver, Colorado. Well, here in Denver, we've noticed that uh, meat is significantly more expensive than it used to be. Uh, We have a particular butcher that we go to, and the prices have gone up a lot, but we still go there to get our meat. Um, Bars and restaurants are much, much more expensive as well. We understand why. They don't have anywhere near as much business as they used to, so they need to raise their prices. We get that, but um, we are saving money by not going out as much, but uh, we are spending more money at the liquor store. Uh, yeah, that was Kaya Price Dennis in Pittsburgh, Sadiqa Chatterjee in San Francisco, Ellen Murphy was in Mission Hills, Kansas, David Romer in Denver. <music> Virtual school is hard enough for any family, right? For kids who are homeless or have parents who can't stay home with them during the day, it can be all but impossible. Baltimore has opened 15 student learning centers, about 1,000 students, K through 5th grade, who are struggling with remote learning so that they can log into their virtual classrooms in a school setting. As Marketplace's Amy Scott reports, with districts around the country looking to bring more kids back for in-person learning, this is one way that schools are trying to reach the most vulnerable kids safely. Walking into John Rura Elementary Middle School in southeast Baltimore, the first thing I notice after clearing the routine temperature check is how quiet it is. On a normal school day, there'd be around 850 students inside the massive brick building, reciting times tables and chatting in the hallways. Today, we have a total of 65 students. Catherine Drayton Barber is an administrator for the Student Learning Center, now located at the school. Many of the kids at the center come from low-income immigrant families and have parents who are essential workers. Students who don't have the luxury of having access to Internet, computer access, a parent who's in the home at all times. Here, they have Wi-Fi and laptops and a safe place to be from 8 to 4, where they can get breakfast and lunch and support. The classroom staff aren't teachers. They're district employees whose jobs got sidelined during the pandemic. Bus aides and hall monitors. Jessica Hankin is normally a coordinator for early childhood special ed programs. She'd been working from home for months when she got the call in late September to come help run the center. And I kept on thinking, well, I just don't know if city schools, which before COVID struggled sometimes to keep Soap in bathrooms would be able to keep us safe. There have been a couple COVID scares, but so far no positive cases, which Henkin says is significant given the surrounding zip code has the highest infection rate in the city. So I think it it does speak volumes to the fact that people are taking it very seriously when they're here, students and staff alike. 
Inside the kindergarten classroom, students sit spaced apart with clear plastic shields surrounding their desks. They're all wearing masks. Three air purifiers run constantly. The kids are logged into their individual online classes with their teachers working remotely. Janelle Anderson helps keep the wiggly five- and six-year-olds on track as a proctor, a far cry from her regular job as a high school hall monitor. Ah, yeah. (laughs) The total opposite of what I'm used to. At the moment, one student is doing a feelings check-in on her laptop, looking at pictures showing different emotions. Another has brought his Easter basket for virtual show-and-tell. Then Anderson takes a group of girls to use the bathroom, one at a time. It's just hard to keep them um, focused and doing their work. Vanessa, come out. Okay. Okay. Go ahead in, sweetie. A lot of her job will sound familiar to anyone managing remote learning right now, just times 15. Sometimes the links won't work, or sometimes they'll work one day, then the next day they won't. Laptop's dying. Earlier this week, all of the learning centers had to send everyone home early when the Internet went out. When I visited, Christian Munoz Aguilar's fifth-grade class was learning about the election. To vote, you have to be 18 or um, higher. You have to be born here to be a president. Christian's mom works as a janitor, and when schools shut down in the spring, she still had to go to work. Christian had to help take care of his four siblings. It was fun, but kind of like distracting because my sister would always come in the room and distract me. Here, he can concentrate, and he's made some friends from other schools. There's lunch at big round tables and after-school activities. Again, Administrator Catherine Drayton-Barber. It's a taste of normalcy. It's a taste of, okay, I have my academic day, and I have my after-school program. Yep. And you can hear the laughter. So far, only about 1,000 students are getting this taste of normal out of more than 80,000 in the district. More will start up next week, though the city had to scale back its reopening plan amid rising infection rates. Administrators say if there's another shutdown, this time students here will be better prepared to keep learning at home. In Baltimore, I'm Amy Scott for Marketplace. This final note on the way out today, the show's only a half an hour, right? So we got to pick and choose which story gets how much time. And we figured inflation and its discontents was our lead today. But I don't want to go without pointing out that today is Thursday, which means it is also first-time claims for unemployment benefits day. 709,000 people lost their jobs in the week ended Saturday and asked for help. That is lower, yes, than last week and generally trending lower over the past couple of months. Still triple or more what the weekly number was before the pandemic. Overall, should you be curious, 21 million people are getting some kind of government unemployment assistance right now. Again, the before the pandemic number, about a million and a half people. All right, we got to go, but not before you get your Thursday moment of economic context. And it's going to clang a little bit with that unemployment item I just did. Some cognitive dissonance coming. A report from a big investment firm today, Apollo Global, that was out this morning, said the total value of all the world's stock markets is now at an all-time high of $95 trillion. 
No, the stock market is not the economy, not even globally, but that seemingly ridiculous valuation is about a couple of things. Really, really low central bank interest rates worldwide, hopes about a vaccine sooner rather than later, and the top line of that K-shaped recovery, right? It looks really good at the corporate and upper income levels, way less good below. Amir Bibawi, Siobhan Brett, John Buckley, Eve Epstein, John Gordon, Kat Green, Rick Carr, and Betsy Streisand are the Marketplace editing staff. I'm Kai Rizdal. We will see you tomorrow, everybody. This is APN. This Marketplace podcast is sponsored by Merrill. With personalized planning tools and insights, Merrill Edge Self-Directed offers timely investing ideas to help you find answers, like how are your investments doing? What is the market doing? Put investing within reach and get started at MerrillEdge.com slash within reach. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner, and Smith Incorporated. Registered broker-dealer, member SIPC. Click, pay, and download instantly. 